right, what's happening, y'all? Um, welcome to the broadcast with your boys Rico and Shay-E. Um, we have several topics we need to talk about it today. Of course, Drew Brees, Jake Fromm, the NFL's almost return, the NBA's full return. Um, we'll, I mean, recent mixtapes and albums will always be a topic that we may get to. Last week, we didn't get to it. We don't necessarily have to get to it, but I always have it there. I um, also wanted to talk about Mikey Williams and Nick Barnes. Shouts out to my boy, Derek JB. I definitely want to talk about, um, Definitely want to talk about um, Nick Barnes also along with Mikey Williams. So we're about to get started. Any uh, Anything you want to say, Shay, before we get into this? I mean, let's get right to it. I mean, got Monet Lisa in the back. Uh, the Atlanta United won. The taping won't stay on. So hopefully Monet Lisa will stay on through this two to three hour podcast. <laughs> All right, bet, bet, bet. All right, so. So um, I'm definitely down to start off with the whole Drew Brees situation and how everybody's reacting to it. And also, first of all, what's up to everybody? Um, Derek JB, Scotty, AGM, Rich, TMS, Juan, Gotti, Andreas, thank you. Appreciate all y'all pulling up. What's up, everyone? Uh, my dad's in the building, too. Thank you for pulling up. <laughs> Wash hands. All right. All right, so bet. Um, so, yeah, we, we got to just break. We're going to start off with the whole Drew Brees situation. We're going to work our way into Jake Fromm. But, um... Um, if you wanted to intro this, Shay, you got it. If you want to like give an exact quote or anything. Well, pretty sure everybody in the chat already know um, what Drew Brees said. He still says like, no matter what, he stands by the flag. His grandfather served. And um, yeah, yeah, his grandfather's legacy is all about serving the flag. So no matter what, he still stands by the flag. And what Drew Brees just fails to understand is that Kaepernick wasn't kneeling for to disrespect the military, to disrespect anybody who served. He was kneeling because of the injustice of, of the Ameri American justice system when it comes to racial relations. And that's what Kaepernick was kneeling for. So, I mean, I mean, that's how I got to start off with, unless you want to say anything about that. Yeah, I just don't like how the attention goes from what the purpose actually is towards disrespecting the um american flag i mean because at the end of the day i mean this whole time we've been pledging allegiance to a flag that hasn't represented what we actually wanted it to represent so i don't see any problem with kneeling down during the flag especially since that's the only time that they will listen that's what started this whole thing if he was kneeling before or after the national anthem then um i wouldn't then it wouldn't have um reached the level of controversy that it did, which also got his message out further. It's made it so he's not able to get an NFL job, but he got a settlement. And from that settlement, he started a lot of programs and stuff to give back and a lot of initiatives to help, you know, the black cause and everything. But um, I, I, I love it. Also, I just hate the hypocrisy. It's not everybody, but a lot of the people that are upset at him disrespecting the flag are the same people that at the stadium or at their homes when the Pledge of Allegiance is going on, they're not standing up. They don't take their hat off. They don't put their hands on their chest. Yeah, they just they just yeah, chilling. Yeah. They're at the stadium just getting food on their phone, cooling it. So um, I, I hate that hypocrisy. But um, at the same time, um, even the other side, the people aren't being hypocritical. They just have to see that this is bigger than – us disrespecting the flag to like the military and all of that. That's not the message at all. Some people try to twist it that way as a distraction, as a barricade for the actual purpose we're trying to present and stand for. Um, but yeah, I mean, cause at the end of the day, even a lot of my family that's military, they feel like their black is, is, is more of a threat is, is, is more threatened than their military representation. 
so um at the end of the day um the 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 black cause is 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 in more dire need of attention and help and focus than um any of the military problems that the military people have because a lot of people are both black and military um so yeah and then it was just wild how it spiraled out of control because michael thomas even though i'm not a big fan of him usually on twitter and stuff um he's been stepping up big time and he's had some very um good quotes lately i'm gonna have to find some now, but basically he what, called them out huh what i don't like what michael thomas did is that when drew Brees made that pr apology michael thomas like okay okay man you good we still good now let's go get some touchdowns let's possibly win the super bowl he just forgave him oh it was a pr apology. <laughs> i mean you can't you can't make that statement and then two days later all of a sudden just have a whole epiphany. No. Yeah. He's been, talking, he's been saying the same mess for a few years now since Kaepernick's been kneeling. He's been saying like, oh, he doesn't represent what Kaepernick um, kneels for. And then he kneels with his teammates to send a message. But that was just like one game. And then all of a sudden he's still back behind the flag. And when Blackout Tuesday happened, where everybody was posting their – their Instagram pictures, their blacked out Instagram pictures, I did too. I specifically checked Drew Brees' Instagram just to see if Pete did that. Because if I said <laughs> Drew Brees did that, I would say to myself, like, he will be the biggest hypocrite ever because he criticized Kaepernick for kneeling. And then all of a sudden, you want to post a blackout picture to saying that you are down for the cause? This is why Kaepernick was kneeling. This whole George Floyd incident is why Kaepernick was kneeling in the first place. This is what he was kneeling for. He always said that. And now when this happens, now you want to go on that statement and say, oh, yeah, I support the black community. If you supported, then you would have supported Kaepernick back then. Exactly. Even Van Negro Jones said, just tuning in, great place to come in, seeing I'm retired to Air Force, and I'll take a knee in a heartbeat. See, yeah, yes, many sir. people Thank you. have that same mindset. Like, look, they'll take a knee because even though they serve for America, they feel like America still hasn't done right by them if you are black or even if you are any other race as well, like Hispanic as well. Any other, like Hispanic, black, America hasn't done right by us. And this is what Kaepernick was kneeling for, the hypocrisy of the NFL as well, saying that they are for George Floyd, but you cannot sign Kaepernick at all. You even gave him a bogus workout in Atlanta just so just for public relations, just to, just so Jay-Z could pass things up with his fans, which you know you weren't going to sign him at all. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the whole situation is so crazy. But um, um, like you said, I don't like the fact that a lot of people are, like, recanting their statements. Um, Like you said, how Michael Thomas was like, oh, we're cool now just because he apologized. I mean, once I see action behind his apology and that he truly yeah. understands and, like, his perspective has actually changed, then I'm willing to accept Michael Thomas accepting his apology. But one thing that Michael Thomas did say that I like is um, basically he said, what if 2020 isn't canceled? What if 2020 – is the year we've been waiting for a year so uncomfortable, so painful, so scary, so raw that it finally forces us to grow. So um, I do like that message. It came from Leslie Dwight. That's what he, um, Michael Thomas tweeted. I do like that message that I mean, you know, a lot of us have been joking like 2020 is the worst year ever and stuff. But it does seem like a blessing in disguise because it's finally 2020 has brought a lot to light that 
um, normally has not been brought to light. I mean, we've had several different movements and peaceful protests and all kinds of stuff in the past, over the past um, really hundreds of years, technically. But this is the first time that it seems like it's like a real, like it's actually a re- has a real effect on things. I mean, even like when you're on Call of Duty, it says Black Lives yeah. Matter on the loading screen. And then even before you're searching for a match, it says Black Lives Matter at the bottom right. And they delayed anything. They were supposed to come out with like an update, give us new guns, possibly a new map and stuff on Tuesday. They said they're delaying it till further notice for the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, Apple Music, I'm not sure how long they did it, but for at least a day, anything that wasn't made by colored people was taken off of Apple Music. Um, Sony has delayed all of their things. Um, I forgot it's a few other people. It's a lot of different places. And um, even K-pop, the K-pop artists went and uh, spammed, I think, uh, All Lives Matter or White Lives Matter, one or the other, and just put a whole bunch of K-pop stuff so that, you know, it washed away their, their, them trying to take, just like how they're trying to take attention away from Black Lives Matter, K-pop people attacked what the White Lives Matter, All Lives Matter, and just flooded it with K-pop stuff. So shouts out to Korea for uh, helping us in that way. Um, so it's a lot of different movements that are involved from different perspectives and different walks of life that just have never been involved um like normal that um, normally we haven't been able to get this large of a crowd this large of a participation um especially with a lot of stuff getting caught on camera i mean you look on twitter every five minutes there's something crazy going on and usually these things go unseen or unnoticed and during the pandemic too where uh a pandemic where we're supposed to stay at home we're supposed to socially distance but we we are tired. We are tired. We are tired to the point where even with the pandemic, we said, like, we don't care about this pandemic anymore. We're going to protest and we're going to show you that we are tired of the injustice against the black community. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, if I will only accept Drew Brees' apology if he actually acts on it and he can somehow prove that he actually believes in it. It's not and it's not just saying it. it's not an empty apology. Um, and you know, I mean, that was a pretty ignorant statement at first, in my you opinion. You know, will accept his apology if he could get Kaepernick signed by any if he can somehow vouch to get that, yeah. that would be yeah. a nice little first step. Yeah, that's when I can accept his apology because, because honestly, I think this is just uh, the PR. This is just shout out to the publicist on that apology. And of course, he did make an Instagram video where he was talking face to face to make sure he's truthful, but I still can't believe two days removed from making that statement, all of a sudden you're going to be like, okay, I saw a whole epiphany. I know a lot of his teammates talked to him. I know a lot of his former, t- former teammates talked to him. Marcus Colston was disappointed as well. Malcolm Jenkins was disappointed as well. Alvin well, Kamara has been all like over Twitter. Kamara. Yeah, so a lot of his teammates, a lot of his former teammates. So I know he did affect a lot of his brothers, a lot of the people that he break the huddle with. So he knew that coming to that next season was going to be really awkward after making those statements. But if he's really sorry, I uh, Drew Brees is a very powerful person. He, he's an NFL player, but he's an NFL ambassador. He's on he's on so many billboards. He's on so many commercials. He's he does so many char- charitable work for the NFL that his words will hold weight. So if he really uh, if he really apologizes. I feel like if he wants to get in the NFL, he can vouch to get Kaepernick back in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely hold more weight than they may admit. 
just so they so that they can alleviate responsibility for things like that. They probably will try to act like they're not able or capable to get Kaepernick a job in the NFL. But that's probably just to alleviate responsibility and make it look like, oh, it's out of my hands. I can't do anything about it. So, um, yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, um, yeah, the whole situation is crazy, but it's great to see that, like, I mean, when somebody like Drew Brees says something like that, there's so many people standing up. Like, I forgot the black lady that was on first take and spoke about it. Um, she, she she was very well spoken, but also liked how serious she was about it and unapologetic, how unapologetic she was about um, her stance on it. Um, and I just love the fact that through media and all various, various channels and um, different ways that people can see us and hear us, everybody's speaking on it. And not even just, you know, black people, people of every color even some white people seem to be very genuine about it and um it just seems that it just it's like a really good movement that i'm i'm happy that things are finally being done yeah um and um when i'm doing my daily walks um there was one one night where like it was like about 10 p.m i just saw a random black person a random black man and a random black woman just hugging each other <laughs> That's so but i think that's just a sign of times right now um, you have uh, you have some white people who are just like so they're just so sorry for um, their race. They're so sorry for what that police officer has done, and you just have and they just they just want to let us know that they that they're standing with us, that they're not against mm-hmm. us, that they're standing with us. And I think as a community, we gotta also realize that not everyone is against us. Yes, we got yeah. uh, the cops against us. We got. Some white people who say all lives matter, but we don't have to look. We don't look at every white person automatically deem, oh, they're against us. Yeah, we definitely have to be more open and receptive. There's no way we can just be narrow minded and just attack anybody that isn't us, because that's basically just reversing the issue that we're trying to get rid of back onto it. It's reciprocating the same energy. So, yeah, I definitely agree. Definitely have to stay open minded with everything. Exactly. Um, and then also, of course, we have Jake from I've never said that's my boy. So let's get that out the way. I've hated mm-hmm. I've hated him more than y'all have. Since he's he's been Robin, so I already knew what to expect. <laughs> you already knew from where he was from. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> what was surprising? What's surprising? <laughs> so I don't want to keep hearing about your boy Jake from this street scores boy Rico's boy nothing I've hated him more than y'all have I during the draft process um people kept saying that I was tripping for thinking he was gonna go later than the fourth round I was like bro he's not that good he's like a majority of the reason why Georgia has not gotten a recent championship I I believe that wholeheartedly so I was already detached from him already wanted him gone and now the elite, uh, the elite white people statement is just like that was over the top. And um, for those of y'all who don't know, Jake Fromm basically said he was having a conversation with somebody through text message who exposed them. That's another part of this. He didn't say this openly. So this could have gone believe, unnoticed. And I believe this was also like a few years ago, too. It wasn't recent. Yeah, yeah, I've heard yeah. that also. But it's the fact that it was like it was exposed. He didn't say this out loud. So. He didn't expose this. Somebody else had to. So if he, so if this person didn't expose him, this would have never gone unnoticed. We would have never known this. How Jake Fromm felt about the situation. But basically, they were talking about gun control and stuff, um, and that makes sense too because that was a big topic a little while ago. And he basically said that only elite whites should be able, should be allowed to buy guns. Um, and so yeah, and, and it's so crazy because again, it's just like 
it, the fact that it was exposed by somebody else, it wasn't said in public. It was between a personal text message group through iPhone. So um, the fact that he's felt like this and we would have never have known, he would have never come out and apologized or changed the way he thought if this person didn't expose him. So, um, so I don't know if you've seen okay. this after, but they were pressuring the person to delete the text messages, to delete the text messages. Oh, tragic. I didn't even know yeah. that. So he was trying then, to recover. Um, she basically responded like, well, that's not my problem. Oh, so man. They, they asked her, why did you why did you bring this up now? Because because she said that with this with this situation going on with George Floyd, she said that it's her duty to bring out to bring out everything out, to bring everything out. To, yeah. To hold him accountable. Exactly. I'm glad she did. And then uh, when I think it was it was from friend that was responding back to her about this. And then Fromm's friend was like, well, she because the girl, she said she didn't think um, he would lose his job over it. But Fromm's friend is like, the bills are thinking about cutting him. And she said, well, that's not my problem. I mean, what were they going to do with him anyway? They already have um, what's his name? John. John Allen, and then their backup is already – I forgot who the backup was. He's already more experienced. I mean, Jake Fromm's like third on the QB depth chart anyway. So why would you take this baggage? He was already expendable. And you know what? Good riddance. Um, Jake, that it's just an example. He was a five-star quarterback, I believe, a five-star quarterback from Warner Robins, Georgia, won mm. a state championship there, went to UGA. He's supposed to be the next big thing. Then he just sabotages his whole career. He's just been sabotaging himself. And honestly, even before I read anything of beef, when, uh, my roommate actually first told me about the Jay Fromm story. And when he told me about Jay Fromm, I was like, oh, let me guess. He said something All Lives Matter related. Like, he's from Warner Robins, Georgia. If you've, <laughs> Georgia and you've been around that area, you can definitely see. It's like those suburban areas. I mean, Warner Robins has black people there, but... It's just, it's just that atmosphere. It's like you'll see probably Confederate flags everywhere. It's just mostly red, mostly Republican. I grew up in a similar area like that, so I know. So I mm-hmm. know. Well, honestly, it really didn't surprise me at all. And I mean, I, for those, for those, for those of y'all who don't know, Atlanta's the blackest city in America. But as soon as you leave Atlanta, I mean, even the just the metropolitan area, it's the complete opposite. The complete yes. and utter opposite. If you want to we got uh, Kemp as our governor, it's because of everywhere else outside of Atlanta. And Smyrna, where the Braves play. Exactly. <laughs> oh, Smyrna, well, Atlanta, Atlanta. Only two blue, blue cities. Everywhere else is red. Exactly. The whole there's state, places, the entire state. There's places in Georgia where some people, they only seen black people on TV. They haven't seen black people in real life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's definitely parts of Georgia that is like not even one black person in that city. That's still a thing. Even though Atlanta's the blackest city in America, is surrounded by the complete opposite for the re- for the the majority of the rest of the state. Um, oh, also before we move on, shouts out to Mr. Finesse. Thank you, thank you for the donation. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Really appreciate that. Yes, sir. Um, and uh-huh. also, I saw a question. Yes, this is a West Unsell jersey. R.P. to West Unsell. I had oh. to put it on. Shouts out to my mom for giving me the jersey. This is her jersey. Oh, the legend, yeah. (laughs) 
But um, before uh, well, before we get to the next topic about the NFL's return, I do want to mm-hmm. talk about the NFL's hypocrisy. This is going back to Kaepernick, where they posted the black photo as well, and they posted that they stand with George Floyd. But if you if the NFL really does stand with George Floyd, why was Kaepernick blackballed? Why do I mean, you feel it, like you have to add a draft pick just for any team to hire a black general manager or a black head coach? Why? Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like it's just one of them. It's cool to do now. Like now is no matter what's going on, it's just better to be on Black Lives Matter side PR wise for the NFL. Back then, yeah. it wasn't the cool thing to do. It wasn't a popular thing to do. They weren't willing to take any heat to lead the movement when they had the chance. So now they're trying to hop on the bandwagon. Yeah, it's all public relations. It's not just the NFL, too. It's it's many companies. I know you mentioned Call of Duty. Um, NBA 2K is doing the same Black Lives Matter as well on on my court. But it's a, it's a lot of companies. They are they're saying Black Lives Matter, but I'm looking at it. The Black Lives really matter to you, or is or it's just because now we're affecting your bottom line. That if you don't say Black Lives Matter, you're going to be affecting your sales. A lot of people are going to throw backlash at you at social media, and then you're going to lose as a business because of that. So I wonder if just um, companies, um, NFL, and well, M- NBA, NBA was always for it. NBA was always for it. But the NFL and um, major other leagues, like let's say NASCAR said it. Like, come on now. Like, are we are we really? <laughs> so like, you're saying it now, but you're saying it because it's a fad. You're not saying it because you really mean it. If you really mm-hmm. meant it, Kaepernick would not have gotten blackballed. Exactly. Exactly. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, yeah, I just the main thing to basically summarize and review is that I hate the fact that people see kneeling during the flag as a disrespect towards the flag. There's so many military people who have spoken up, not even just black, that have said, yeah, I agree with kneeling during the flag. That's the only time people will listen. That's the time you have the most people's attention. Um, That's when it sparks up the most nerves, the most controversy, the most uh, healthy conversation. Um, And then just, um, and it's also the fact that we're not, even though the, the flag technically, even though the national anthem has a, very big racist part towards slaves and about how slaves shouldn't be allowed to live good lives. Like it's like later in the third verse or whatever, but just the flag itself. Um, um, it's supposed to rep represent freedom and equality, but, um, that has never been represented within the country of that, this, you know, oppose that flag. So I don't see it as disrespect to kneel against the flag. Cause even me, I feel like kneeling against the flag is pushing towards the notion pushing against the notion that we are uh, equal under liberty, all that type of stuff. That That is definitely not true so far. So I am uh, I am in complete agreement with kneeling during the national anthem. And I I had this question posed to me on one of my friends that I that went to college with, shout out to Catherine. She asked me and a bunch of other people, what is freedom? And, and are we free right now? Well, technically, technically by the amendments, we are free but we don't have freedom. And as in freedom, I mean, we don't have complete freedom. Like, for example, me and you, Rico, when we were doing uh, the Patriots uh, Falcons video for, from the Super Bowl, remember uh-huh. when we went to Lennox Mall and that we went to um, Neiman Marcus? I think that was the story. Oh, Neiman Mar- Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, Neiman Marcus, yeah. Yeah, and um, I mean, I don't have dreads. I don't know if they were profiling us because of because of that. You're, you're a dreadhead. 
one of our mutual friends, Marcel, was a dreadhead. Um, who else was there? I think there's someone else that was a dreadhead there as well. But the employees looked at us and started locking um, their jewelry. Now, mm, I forgot all about that. Where I just, where I'm like a year removed from again my bachelor's. You just graduated from your master's. But they're looking at us and they look at us as as black people in their store that can't afford anything they have. And they're we're clearly wrong about that. So I say this that's not freedom. That's not freedom. To me, yeah. my definition of freedom is to live life without being discriminated. Without mm-hmm. worrying if I get stopped by a cop. And the worst case scenario is me being me being on CNN news and me being being like George Floyd. That's the worst case scenario for me. I want my worst case scenario if I get stopped by an officer to be a ticket. To, mm-hmm. to me, that's the best case scenario, being stopped by an officer. I remember the first time I ever got stopped by an officer while driving, and I was scared. Yes, I was speeding, but it was like it was like a couple days removed from uh, Philando Castile's murder. So it got me scared just when I got stopped by a cop. Even though the yeah. cop was not cool, but just the fact that I have to have that fear in my mind is a problem. And yeah. I think that's not freedom. That's not freedom. Definitely not. I mean, even just the way we're raised, not only with our parents warning us about a, diff- a lot of different stuff, but just the fact that um, somebody had a good point. I forgot somewhere I saw on Twitter that we have to we're raised to present ourselves a certain way. Like a lot of us learn to pick up a different skill, like play an instrument, art or even go to college to get like a the bachelor's, master's, PhDs, not necessarily because we just wholeheartedly want to. But it's like a way to present ourselves as less dangerous less less threatening and like we have more of a purpose in life just to be equal you know so um it just even goes with the way that we're we're raised and i mean just from beginning to end of our lives we're, we're always focused on how we present ourselves we might speak a different way in different environments like especially work environments and in college um i enunciate more just to seem a little less threatening and stuff you know and it's just it is i mean you never really think about the stuff because you're kind of used to it it's just the way yeah. life goes but when you really sit down and think about it, that just shouldn't be how it is because people of other races normally don't even have to think about stuff like that, how they present themselves. How I, a lot of times I wear my locks up or back just to, you know, present myself a certain way, even though I prefer them down, things like that. So, um, and again, with enunciating the way um, even me, I might even switch up my walk because I do kind of have like a little, you know, black lean with my walk. So sometimes I'll try to walk a little bit more casual. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And I'm not even, I hate sagging. You kind of, you did your own walk regardless. You know, in college, but I'm saying like other settings. Okay. I'm saying okay. in other settings, I will change up my walk sometimes. Like, especially if I'm walking into somewhere like fancy or like some place of employment or something like that. I will switch up my walk a little bit. And I definitely enunciate better. Just like on these streams, how I enunciate more than I just naturally do. Um, I also do that. Um um i definitely won't because i love dancing i'll just be walking and i'm dancing so sometimes i even stop dancing for just just to you know just to not you know i don't know it's weird it's just not to project anything to be judged prematurely and stuff like that so um yeah and it's just crazy that other people don't have to think about stuff like that yeah and uh shout out to scotty h419 with the five dollar pound donation yes sir my boy yes sir that quote on the movement as a white guy in the UK. I don't see the same social injustice and police brutality. I hope you get equality. Hashtag, hashtag Black Lives Matter. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, when I was in Spain studying abroad, whenever I was on the sidewalk, people would cl- cross the street to go to the other sidewalk. And then when they passed me, 
they would come back. It was funny to me. I'm not going to lie. First of all, I didn't have to deal with people in my way. I could see that in Spain and in Italy because they don't really have too many black people. Especially in, well, I was in Sevilla, so I wasn't even in Barcelona, none of the big cities. I was like their equivalent of Oklahoma. Sevilla is the other suburbs. Yeah. Yeah. So I I liked it. It was like I had my own little force field bubble to where I didn't have to deal with people walking close to me. So that was cool. But at the same time, you know, it's just not something that shouldn't be happening. But it was funny to me. I mean, people would literally go out their ways, cross traffic, go on the sidewalk and then come back to the sidewalk after I passed them. I mean, that was pretty funny to me. I'm not going to lie. And it was quite consistent. um, In the UK, from I guess like from what I infer and from some friends I had that were exchange students from the UK and went to St. John's with us, it was that the UK is not even as half as racist as the US. They still have their fair share of racism, but the mm. UK, the UK is a lot more accepting. It's a lot more accepting. And what I've what I've seen throughout the world of sports is that even if you watch the Bundesliga, German soccer, soccer, um, you um, there was a player, Jaden Sancho, who is from England, who plays for Borussia Dortmund, who, who, after he scored a goal, he raised up his shirt and it said, justice for George Floyd. This is in Germany, in Germany. Mm-hmm. They are standing for us in Germany. So this is how worldwide, this is how worldwide this, um, this movement is right now. Mm-hmm. And the fact that other countries is standing by us, it makes me wonder, are they going through those same racial issues? I know I know some countries are, like you mentioned, Spain, Italy, they they are not really that great with racial relations yet. But there's st- it's still sad like how big, how how large this country of the United States is, and we still deal with our fair share of racism. And just to anybody who still doesn't believe racism exists, we are not even a hundred years removed from segregation. So we still have people who lived in the segregation era still in the U.S. And it's hard to live in that, live in that era and then just completely get that out of your mindset. So we are still developing. We are still developing. Mm-hmm. And this is why we say Black Lives Matter. It's not to dis- discount all lives, because all lives do matter. It's just that we feel like Black lives don't matter enough. Honestly, mm-hmm. I feel like dog lives matter more than Black lives matter sometimes. <laughs> they do, that honestly, whole, sometimes they do. That whole Vic scandal was, yeah. I feel that was, um, that was more... That was that felt that took on more anger than black lives. They dealt with they dealt with Vic quicker than they than they deal with a cop killing a black person. Mm, that is very true. And also to piggyback on like how with each generation, you know, there's a little bit more progress, and especially the older generations are stuck in a certain mindset that they have to work out of. Um, I've been seeing all over Twitter people like it's like like little little kids that are like white, like around 14 years or younger, arguing with their parents about like how, you know, this like lives are not equal. And then the parents are fighting back like, well, they're equal enough. Or why does it matter? Uh, some even one parent even said, well, um, I don't care if it takes them twice as hard to get to where they um, to where we are when they're there. They're fine, usually or something like that. And like the, the daughter was just arguing back like that's not OK. They shouldn't have to work twice as hard no. um, and all of that type of stuff. So it's like it's. It's also, you know, it, I'm glad they're helping also like little kids that are, you know, of different races, like trying to uh, they're actually having full blown arguments with their parents 
about why what's going on is bad. And the parents are for some reason fighting back. And also one mother was like, what are you going to do about it? Basically shutting down the kids hopes of contributing and helping. She was basically just demeaning the kid and was like, well, I mean, I, even if you do feel that way and clearly she didn't, the mother didn't, but the daughter did. And she was like, well, now what are you going to do about it? What can you even possibly do to help and stuff like that? So even just that video itself, making it to Twitter and having hundreds of thousands of retweets and likes um, is a big impact. So, you know, shouts out to those who are helping in the, any way that they can. Yeah. And the, the kids, of, the kids right now, they are, are they are the future. They, they are our light to stop racism because they are seeing all this firsthand. They grew up with social media. So they seen they seen racism firsthand that go on from different states, um, from different parts of the country, from different countries. They've seen racism. They seen they seen um cyberbullying. They seen everything. They seen more. They seen more about the world than we have than we than I'll tell you what I've seen for like my first fifteen years. An eight year old could have seen more of the world that I've seen for my first fifteen years of my life, where I didn't really have too much social media because. They get to see the world through social media. Mm -hmm. um, back in the 90s, I feel like racism was much worse. Police brutality was much worse in the 90s. If you listen to old school rap, they talk about that heavily. Um, NWA mm -hmm. was founded off police brutality. NWA, they, they formed their group to talk about police brutality. You have Big L who made songs about police brutality. You had Jay-Z. You had many rappers who made songs about police brutality back in the 90s. But it was underreported. Why? Because we did not have social media. So mm -hmm. there, there could have been a million other, there could have been thousands of other George Floyds that happened in the 90s, but we have we never got a chance to see it. So this is why social media has been good for us, because it gives us a voice. It gives us a voice to say Black Lives Matter. Exactly. Exactly. I definitely agree. And also, I saw like way early in the chat that a lot of people are um, asking, like, should the Redskins change the name? I'm neutral. Like, um, I've seen several reports from even like Native American um, um, responders and um, interviews and stuff like that, that they feel like um, the name isn't racist. Some of them prefer to have a team that actually represents them at the NFL level and stuff. And then of course there's some that feel like it is racist. So I'm, I'm very neutral. Like if it does change, I'm not so attached to the Redskins name that I'm like, no, don't change it. This is our name and we're going to keep it. I'm not one of those guys at all. If they want to change it, change it. If they don't change it, I'm cool. I'm super neutral on it. Um, Cause at the end of the day, like I've said, there's been so there's been countless people saying that they don't find it offensive. The people that should find it offensive don't find it offensive. So it's hard for me to really have an opinion on it because even though I have like a tiny bit of Native American in my blood, I identify just solely as black. So I can't really um, dish on it, but um, it is a really interesting topic. But at the same time, I'm super neutral. I really don't care. We can become the Red Spears. We can become whatever. We can become the Washington um football guys i honestly literally don't care it, it i'm not attached to the name it doesn't matter what's with washington and having all these controversial names like your jersey the washington bullets which the wizards had oh change. yeah you're talking about when the crime was bad and they changed it to the wizards back when dc was terrible yeah. <laughs> uh, i like that name the washington all skins i've never heard of that i've never that's interesting oh yeah that's I kind of like that all skins. That's like unity. I like that. that's my favorite. That's my favorite one. Looking at this from a PR standpoint, it could also make it seem like it could sound like all lives matter. Which not saying not oh, saying yeah, that's yeah, that is true. Someone's probably going to take it that way. 
So yeah, that, that could yeah. That. People are people are always gonna find a way to mis misconstrue something, but that's definitely something that could easily they they could just take it to the negative side immediately. Uh, so yeah. Here. Okay, huh? I'm seeing in the comments that I need to shut up about about, uh, about your city. <laughs> That's rich. He said no. This <laughs> no, no. Shay, you got a point. That Washington Bullets. I mean, I like hey, the Washington hey, Bullets hey, name. Hey, I, I like the Washington Bullets name. From PR standpoint, like I'm just trying to yeah, say, just PR standpoint. Like if I'm in public yeah. relations, I'm looking at a name. I'm trying to see any sort of consequence of having that name. Any sort of um, yeah. Any sort of like negative reaction that could possibly generate from having that name. And that's what yeah. I said. And also at the same time with the Redskins name, like it would be nice to have ESPN, NFL Network, and all of these people off our backs, especially the people who refuse to acknowledge us and are definitely prejudiced against the Redskins because of our name. But at the same time, I'm not trying to appease anybody. If we feel like that name is not racist, if the people – who 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 the the name is apparently racist towards don't feel it's racist then i'm not trying to appease and and press other people and you know kiss up to them and be like you know appreciate us acknowledge us you know it's not that bad at the end of the day if they feel like it's that way i'm not going to hurt myself to convince them otherwise yeah i got a question um my high school is called the mckeetron indians is that name offensive to you or not. I've always hated how people call Native Americans Indians. I, I hate that personally when because yeah. it's so ignorant. Because he thought weird. he was going to yeah, he thought he was going to India, landed over here, and just was like, oh, okay, they're brown, so they're Indians. I so I've always hated. I've always corrected people growing up when I was a kid that they're not Indians as Native Americans. Technically, it's not even Native Americans because they didn't name the country America. It was an Italian guy that named it America. But still, that's better than calling them Indians, which they aren't at all. Like, they're not even Indian at all. Very offensive, but just because they're a high school, no one is going to tell them. Yeah, nobody's going to care, yeah. And there's many high schools that probably have that name as well. I didn't even know that, though. The Indians, that's wild. They didn't even yeah, try. McKeetron Indians. And McKeetron is actually a, a pretty good high school from an standpoint. So I'm actually surprised that hasn't been brought up yet. Yeah, I, bro, that's, that's so random. Basketball schools in, in the nation. So yeah, I'm surprised <laughs> that it hasn't been brought up yet. The Indians, that's wild. I didn't even know that. <laughs> but um yeah I, I hate the whole indian thing that is i don't like that that's because it's just ignorant um but yeah uh, i'm definitely so we moving on to the nfl's almost return now because um this is getting really interesting this start they uh the nfl has allowed coaches to return to training facilities but at the same time it's on a per state basis on whether or not that state that the training facility is in that the team is based in that will allow the you know um, coaches and players to return yet. So um, that's going to be weird because some states, some teams are going to have strategic advantages because their states are more lax on rules. Like LA, t- California teams are going to struggle because they're going to be the most yeah. strict. While teams in the South, like Georgia or even even Virginia with Maryland, um, they um they don't care as much. Um, so like we'll be able to return to camp as soon as possible. And stuff like that. Hold on, my mommy's calling. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead and say whatever you have to say. I'm gonna mute myself. Okay, well, yeah, like you said, um, like you said, uh, California, they don't have the advantage. And some teams, some teams like the Redskins, for example, the um Dwayne Haskins, he's still a young quarterback. He needs that training camp time. I believe it was Earl Clark on NFL Live who said that 
Um, teams who have a lot of players four years or under the NFL, it's going to affect them a lot. But with teams that are experienced, like let's say for the example, New Orleans Saints, um, they don't really need this time anyways, which is why Sean just tell the players, like, look, this is your break. Have a break. Um, take care of this social injustice. Go to George Floyd's funeral. Houston, Texas as well, because they got more experienced players. Mm. Young teams like the Redskins, like the Browns, um, like the Chargers as well, they're at a disadvantage because yeah. it's time to to function. Buccaneers, they got it lucky because they live in Florida. And Florida, Florida is about as open as last year. Like it seems like nothing has changed in Florida. I mean, they're having wrestling shows in Florida. So um the Buccaneers, Brady can do whatever he wants. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> but yeah, I mean it's it's wild that we're actually getting to the point that it looks like football will come back, especially with NBA spearheading the movement. And we're gonna talk about that later. But um also the NFL um said that like you can only be at like your real facilities. You know how like the Cowboys go all the way to LA so they can draw a bigger crowd to their yeah. training camps. They're not allowed to do that. How the Redskins are not allowed to they we can't have training camp in Richmond, which we've done in the past like um nine years or so, something like that. It's been a while. Um as well. They never practice in uh, they never practice in Wisconsin. They always travel as well. And this will be their yeah. first time to ever practice in inside their home stadium, their home practice field. Yeah, so I mean that's weird. I mean, because at the end of the day, I don't really feel like it matters that much being having to go back to where you normally go and not drawing as much of a crowd anyway, because they're probably gonna have huge regulations on crowds. Like you're gonna have to be six feet apart, or you're gonna have to be restricted to certain areas, or they may not allow fans to come like for a long period of time, or if all or if, uh, if at all, at any point during training camp. So uh, I'm not really against it. I know, like, the Redskins, we're on our final contract for Richmond this year, so that's literally the last year we'll ever be in Richmond for training camp probably, and we'll probably be in Ashburn until further notice. So anybody that loved training camp in Richmond, go ahead and say goodbye. Last year was the last year. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting that um, the, the NFL is doing anything they can to bring people in slowly, I guess, um, I guess to allow testing to be easier as they get more processes and stuff. But it's weird to kind of just, you know, let some people in, but not all just because it's like, what if the, I mean, like, are you saying like the coaches don't have it, but the players do, but I see what they're saying, letting, letting everybody come back slowly so that they can learn how to, um, you know, get their processes together, how to test people properly, how to keep people separated with a smaller crowd. And then they can, you know, learn from that with what worked well, what worked por- poorly, and then um, expand it to when they let the players come back. And, you know, a training camp is about like 90 people on the field. There's all types of coaches, all yeah. kinds of training staff, medical guys. So it's going to be like at least like 200 people involved. That's not even including the fans. So yeah. that's when it really gets complicated. I still can't see how they can possibly test everybody like on, on each team. I still can't see that. Yeah. It's going to be really weird. Like that's going to be a lot of supplies that uh, at, at first it seemed like we didn't have, they were acting like we didn't have enough tests to uh, supply the general public and act, and we're acting like it's just so expensive and hard to come by. And then out of nowhere, they're just going to be ready to taste, test all of these NFL teams, coaches, and players suddenly. So, um, you know I mean, weird? you just see there were priority lies. Huh? You no, know it's weird is that Georgia's actually giving out free tests. Like, I right heard. off the Stadium. 
Yeah, my friend. Um, I know uh Dan Snyder's doing that for the Redskins also, but um I, I have one of my friends, he went to go get tested for free because he had to get surgery on his leg and like the, the hospital that he's doing it at where like basically you can't come here unless you prove that you're not you don't have coronavirus. So he had to he went and got a free test before he went to go get his leg surgery. You see, I'm I'm iffy on that test because I heard it's painful. Like they put something in the yeah, back up of your there. You know, yeah, I've heard. I mean, he he recorded it too. He, it looked uncomfortable. Did, did he, he looked like he was alright. He didn't necessarily say it was painful. He just said it was a very weird, uncomfortable feeling. <laughs> but he didn't mention anything about pain. But I'm starting to think that like once things start to normalize again, um. I feel like before we could go inside certain buildings, like inside the NFL stadium, we have to prove that we gotten tested. And yeah. I, I'm, I really don't want to test myself because I'm hearing how that test works, and I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. Like, there has to be a way to, to test you, like put like your finger on something and then prove you don't have coronavirus. Like I can't be <laughs> having something sticking up my nose and going to the back of my head. Like what if they? Like mess up. Like, what if their hands just twitch and then all of a sudden, like, I got brain damage? I don't know. Yeah, now you have short term memory loss. <laughs> I'm saying. I'm saying. Yeah, like, There's no reason for me to get tested. I don't leave the house. We left the house today to vote, but me and my, my mom and I took extreme precaution. We were separated from everybody by at least six feet. We wore our mask. I had my hair wrapped up in my little rag like this, but not this one because my mom's going to wash the one I wore. We uh, quarantined the clothes. They're about to get washed and everything that we wore out. We were not playing. So we made sure we voted, but we definitely stayed safe. I'm guilty. Uh, I admit, I took a cheat day last Saturday, but that was about <laughs> it. Every, every other day I was quarantined. But last Saturday I had to go see my – I had to see some of my friends I haven't seen in like nine years. So it was like, you know what, let me just take this one day out. I'm not going to see my parents. Well, my parents are are elderly, so I'm not seeing my parents anyway. So, like, let me just take this one day, and after that, I'm going quarantine. But like, hey, that was last Saturday. I heard these tests take about two to fourteen days. Um, I've heard a uh, coronavirus take two to fourteen days for it to matriculate, and I don't feel sick at all. I feel good. Mm. I feel good. So, I, I think I think I I didn't harm myself there. Okay, cool. You dodged one. Yeah, live your truth, man. Hey, you took a day. You took a day. No, I can't be mad day. at it. That was a cheap day when you're working out. Like, I'm I'm, I'm quarantining now. <laughs> I feel it. I feel it. So, yeah, so then also we have the NBA with a lot of big news. I'm not sure if you heard, Shae, but they've come out with a lot of crazy details about how the NBA is about to look. First of all, um, there's going to be a training count June 30th. And in June and July 7th, they're going to travel to Orlando. And basically everything is going to happen in Orlando. They're going to be staying in hotels. They're going to all stay like in a general vicinity. Um, they're not going to be allowed to leave. They're not. I mean, they said they're not going to like try to force people to stay like like by force, like policing. But they strongly encourage everybody to stay within like a certain campus or whatever. And they're going to be able to have 22 teams competing. Um, so the 2019-2020 season is gonna um is gonna start July thirty first. Free agency will happen October eighteenth, and they're targeting the twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one season to start. Um, no, the training camp will start November tenth, and then December first will be the opening night. So, like we spoke about in the last stream last Friday, like they're not just gonna let them not have some sort of an off season. So apparently, the season will end October. They'll have like a month off. They'll start training camp in November, and then they'll come back December first. 
Um, and then also it's crazy how many teams are there because it's going to be 13 Western Conference teams. There's going to be nine Eastern Conference teams. Every team is going to have eight um, regular season games, and then they're going to they're go straight to the playoffs. Um and then uh, also, and then this had to get approved, and the NBA PA's player representatives um, approved of the 22-team format to complete the 2019-2020 season. So it's definitely happening. It's definitely on the way. And now I have to find the rules because there's going to be – because you know how, like, since it's going to be in Orlando, technically nobody's a home team. Um, they're going to have all sorts of crazy well, rules. Like, like the, the te- miraculously make the playoffs, but I think they're already out. They're already out anyway. So yeah, yeah. So we're not worried about Atlanta. So yeah. So basically, they're going to have it to where like the home team or like the higher seated team will have priorities on hotels. These these are all speculations and what possibilities. So they'll have priority. The higher seated teams will have priorities on the best hotels. Um, the higher seated teams. Um, as like a home court advantage, will receive the ball three quarters first out of the you know out of four quarters. You know, it's normally two and two. They'll get the ball first three quarters. Um, they're planning to also. I saw somewhere they plan on using two K crowd noise to uh, to make the games feel more real. They're gonna not not real basketball crowd noise. NBA two K well, crowd noise. I, but like we said in the last podcast, I felt like they had to do something since. Um, since the Bundesliga German soccer, they they had their fake crowd noise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they had to do something. <laughs> but it's I mean crowd noise. Yeah, I mean two K NBA two K NBA two K crowd noise. I mean it sounds decent enough. I can't be bad at it. But yeah, they're gonna be they're gonna have play-ins for the eighth seeds. So we can't uh, and... simulate um Boston Celtics chance with like like let's say. When a certain Lakers like on the line, um, they're chanting like derogatory word, words. We can't say that. We can't do I that. Don't, I don't think it's gonna be that specific. Well, I guess I, they're gonna I, have I, generic crowds. Lamar Odom for dating a Kardashian. We can't, no, can't. they're not gonna have the specific chance. I think it's just gonna be yay and boo. I think. <laughs> what, if, what if a fight breaks break out? Like, what if people start pushing and punching each other? Is it still gonna be just basic noise? It's just gonna be basic boos. Just. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we don't, um, we don't want fighting. We don't want fighting at all. Get the hell, <laughs> get the attack. It's gonna be so weird. I don't understand. I just have to see that uh, first game. I can't wait to see how it's a plot. It's but... for me. I probably won't. Even, I probably can't even take that seriously. <laughs> I, probably, I, I, I get. I guess why they're doing the crowd noise because um, Fox Sports is doing it with soccer. But as well, you know, a lot of the players are very competitive. They'll probably cuss a lot. They don't want that. They don't want that on their speakers. So I know mm-hmm. I get, get for that reason why they'll be playing the fake crowd noise from 2K, but I don't know. I can't take that seriously. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, a lot of the a lot of the projected rules, like a lot of things that they're like I'm um, talking about and debating about is that higher seeding teams will uh be able to they they can get the first possession of the second half, the third and the fourth quarter. Um, and then they, um, so they'll get three, like I said, three quarters out of the four, they'll get the ball first as a, as an added advantage. Also, they'll be able to have the opportunity to allow one player on their team to commit up to seven fouls instead of the current maximum of six. So whoever the highest seeded team is technically the home team, they can choose one player that will be able to commit seven fouls before they foul out. Hmm. Um, let me see. So this is probably going to have a player intentionally fouling. I, I, 
I could already see a lot of loopholes to that rule. Right? Yeah, it's gonna be so net. It's gonna add some weird strategy that we've never seen before. Um, never got in the game before, and they're just like, "Hey, just get seven fouls. Just <laughs> worst free throw shooter. Just go crazy." <laughs> they also are considering transporting home home courts hardwood floors to Orlando. So, like, say the Lakers are technically the higher seed, and they're playing against a lower seed team. They would transport the Lakers hardwood floor to Orlando to, I guess, give them some sort of a hardwood floor I advantage. See, I guess I could see why that could be an advantage. I mean, if you play in one basketball court um, more than you play in the other, you'll get a better feel for it. Like, I remember like, when how you, do you transport that? By plane? <laughs> I, that's the thing. Like, just a whole court? Is it like a and big so, truck? So wait, the people who transport it and who work on the court, are they going to have to get tested too? And then they're going to have to build oh, the yeah. court. And then for the next game, for a different team, they're going to have to bring their own their own court. That's, that's too much work. Yeah, it's too much going on, man. We'll have to have two-hour breaks in between games with everybody playoffs. tested. That's what it is. Just have yeah. NBA playoffs in the, in the middle, the logo. Nah, they're, they're trying to recoup their money. I heard that with those eight games that they'll have for each team, that they'll be able to recoup like 300 of the $600 million they lost from all of this going on. So and you already know that they're, they're doing it for money. Like you said last only stream, they're doing it for money. Only yeah. about money. see if the ninth seed could overtake the eighth seed. It's just about money. They exactly. lost so many dollars, especially um, Zion. Um, just seeing other uh, Atlanta Hawks with Trey Young. These Their teams might not be as good. But they draw ratings because of their players that they have, and they lost mm-hmm. so much money just from that. And I was yeah. like, I was, for example, I was gonna go to a Pelicans Hawks game. I was gonna go to my first game that season. This yeah, happened. I was, and I really wanted to see Zion, but unfortunately, <laughs> it was oh. March 29th too. No, the craziest rule that they might implement is that the higher seeded teams may be able to pick their first round opponents. Like, they may be able to choose who they go against. So, hey, man, I'm sorry if I'm the Lakers and LeBron, I'm going against the bummiest team in the playoffs first to get a week off. <laughs> so that's crazy. The best team that they can go they can go with. So oh, get them out of the way. Yeah, get them out of the way. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, it's a really interesting concept because, like I said, it's 13 Western Conference teams and nine Eastern. So that means it's just a mix-up. It's not people only playing in the Western Conference and only in the Eastern Conference, and then yeah. they meet, it's going to be it's like a bracket. It's not, it's not divided by conference. Oh, this is going to be nice. I can't wait. I'm actually really excited about this. It's going to be nice, but just as a basketball historian, as I like to call myself, uh-huh. I'm going to have to give the champion, the, the winner of the, this playoffs, an asterisk. It's just too oh, Yeah, there's definitely going to be like a you didn't really get. Yeah, it's way too different. Like, I can't get used to that. Yeah, it's gonna be weird to give any and whoever wins the the finals is it's definitely gonna be an asterisk next to it because it's just gonna be like the circumstances and all of that type of stuff. I, I need a request too. Can they show the different types of hotels each team will have? Like, what's what I'm gonna say? What won't be much different from let's say what the Lakers get than what let's say uh I guess the the Mavericks get? Like, what's uh-huh. the difference? I don't know. It's all supposed to be sitting around Disney World. 
they're not going to be living in the slums. I know that. So, like, <laughs> I mean, they said that, that the higher seeded teams may be able to pick. So maybe they'll get the ones with the most amenities, the best pools, the best everything like that. And I, I'm like you said, I don't think the Mavericks per se would get like a super bummy rundown hotel. But I'm assuming after like 21 teams pick, that 22nd team is definitely not going to have the hotel that you would idealistically want to strive to go, you know, to go get when you were to visit Disney World. So it may be somewhat of a difference. I don't know. The fact that there's even an idea of that must mean there's some type of difference that, you know, you and I just don't know about yet. That has to be something. Like on TNT, they really need to show their hotels like in the introduction. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Angeles Lakers Hotel. Oh, the nice Marriott. Got all these amenities, special pools. Um, Just special guests, special foods. Just show like everything that the hotels have, like the difference. That can yeah. add a storyline of it too. Oh, the team with the worst hotel ends up playing better. Are they more motivated because they have less amenities in the hotel? <laughs> they have roaches. <laughs> they have roaches on their walls. So because yeah. of that, they have to stay up that night. And what if like a lower seated team beats a higher seated team? Do they get to take their hotel, or is nobody living in that hotel now? That hotel Are they fighting for hotels? Yo, they- yo, that's- Oh, that's, that's, that's incentive right there. That hotel, that's- <laughs> I love that. I love the fact that they were – I love the idea of them having to put their hotels on the line. I love that. That is a very interesting competitive advantage. Also, um, like, like we said, it may not be that much disparity in hotel quality, but what about location? Like what if the Lakers choose a hotel that's like right next to where everybody goes to train and practice and they can just walk to it while another team is at a hotel where they have to catch an Uber or drive to it or take a bus, you know, like a team bus or something. That might be an, uh, an a competitive advantage aspect to it. Um, so like I said, um, I'm assuming because it's been stated and it's being actually considered, there's some type of strategic advantage to these hotels, but I guess we'll see. And Brody, I wish there was some strategic advantage of why you were in my lap right now. What is going on? Um, but yeah, man, these are a lot of crazy rules. I mean, uh, the home team, higher seeded team, technically getting the ball three out of four four quarters. So does that mean they're not gonna have a tip off? Um, and then you get to um, pick I, the I first seeded team. The tip off, and then the rest of the quarters, the home team gets the ball. But what if the home team wins the first? What if the home team wins the tip off? Do they get it all four times, or does the other team just get to pick a random quarter, or do they just get a second quarter and the home team gets third and fourth automatically? If I was doing it, I guess they have it all four times. That is wild. That is like actually, that is a very underrated advantage getting the ball four times to start each quarter. That is big. That's eight extra points. That's at least eight extra points. I mean, well, exactly. not least, but that could be from like yeah, eight to to like say uh, twelve extra points. Yeah, most. that's that's wild. That's like really wild. <laughs> that could actually be like a big uh, strategic advantage. Um, and then also with how interesting it could be that um, the the higher seeded teams get to pick the team they want to play first in the playoffs, and that's hilarious. Because if the Lakers go and pick the worst team, that'll just say all you need to know about that worst team. Like, we picked you because we know you're the weakest link. And, and the then that would also motivate them. I think the Bucks. Oh, yeah, yeah, the Bucks, yeah, the Bucks are the highest. Yeah. yeah. But, like, yeah, I mean, that would just say a lot. I mean, then also the team that gets picked because they're supposedly the weakest link, that would give them all the more motivation to play as hard as they can and dethrone that top team along with taking the hotel. It's not going to happen. Yeah. 
Well, let's be honest. Yeah. That's still not gonna happen. But so let's say if this isn't by conference, are the Bucks and Lakers could they possibly not face each other in the finals? Yeah, they could well, end up playing before then. Well, I'm pretty sure, you know, that like we've discussed several times, all of these sports organizations are about their money, especially the NBA. They wouldn't allow that. I'm pretty sure however they set up the brackets, they're going to make sure the Bucks and the Lakers are as far away from each other as possible on the brackets. I'm pretty sure they're going to force it if they have to. Yeah, I, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so also. I, I feel like I shouldn't have to really – we shouldn't have to worry about that because I'm pretty sure – the NBA is going to do whatever it, they can in their power to make sure we have the best finals, the best finals matchup possible. I feel, um, like, I feel like this is also a way for the NBA to experiment for what their playoff format would be in the future, what they want it to be. So they're using this pandemic as also a way to experiment. Like, um, the yeah. way the conferences have 22 teams, let them pick which team they want to face. They're, so I say they're using this as an experimentation as well. And I also wonder since the season will be the next season will come back December first. They gotta have a shortened season. Uh, I can't see games obviously. It, they gotta yeah. do forty one. They gotta do half the season forty one. Yeah, or fifty, sixty, something. And I'm glad they're giving them some type of a like a break. They're giving them a month off after October 18th till November 10th when the training camp starts. They'll have some sort of a break. Because even though, you know, they could be petty and technically be like, you're on break now. But, you know, after the finals, they're going to need at least a month to recover before they head right back into training camp and into the next season. So I appreciate the NBA for at least giving them almost a month. It's really like 22 days. But, that, I mean, that's, that's all right. That's, that's decent. And then I'm, I also hear a rumor that 2K will still release at the same date. And really? Yeah, that's that's the rumor out here. They're still going to release around the same date. So that means they're going to have to patch the rookies in. Oh, that's interesting. That's really interesting. I wonder how they're going to do the draft. Like, like, no, they got to release in December. Like, this will finally give them time to actually work on the game and not release the same game. <laughs> I know. You're releasing this December, too. I don't want them to release in September. I'm, I'm not gonna play the game. They don't have the rookies patched in anyway. So, no, they <laughs> to work on the game finally. Two K always seems rushed. I'm not even gonna hurt myself. No matter when they release it, it's just gonna be something wrong with it. I wouldn't be it's surprised. Yeah, yeah, my player money. Yeah, man, my team and my player. The money, the money, uh, the money getters for Two K easily. Especially my team. My team is probably the biggest money getter. So, um, yeah. yeah, but, um, also, um, like I said, like I mentioned earlier, I finally found it. The NBA said they're not going to necessarily add tracking devices to players, but they're going to try to keep everybody within a certain area so that they make, they make, they make sure that they're relatively quarantined all the 22 teams. I'm not sure if they're going to allow their families to be with them or however that's going to work, but they're going to try to keep everybody in like one small confined area of like over Orlando and then that kind of is interesting because, like, are they going to do some type of, like, reality television for this? Because that could be really dope to, like, see what they're doing even beyond just the basketball part with everybody having to be around each other. I mean, 22 teams worth of players and possibly their families, that there could definitely be a golden reality TV um, opportunity right there, especially since we'll have nothing else to watch. Yeah. I'll watch that. Yeah, I'll definitely tune in. I'm definitely yeah. interested to see how everybody is hanging out. 
you're telling some players, some players that oh, they can't go to the club, they can't go to any of the events that would be open. It's already open in Orlando, but more events that would be open during that time. You you think some players are going to resist that temptation? Like if J.R. Smith was still playing, can he resist that temptation? <laughs> if the heavy nah. guy was still playing, could he resist that temptation? That would be too temptation. That would be uh that would be too big of a temptation for somebody like him. I know for a fact. I know for a physic, he he I wouldn't be able to control weird. himself. Which players should we watch for for that? Hmm. Um, I would, I'm most well, there's going to be specific players that I'm really interested in, but I just want to see who likes who, like who like vibes together the most. Cause you already know, like Katie and Kyrie, they're kind of the same crowd or whatever, but I'm, yeah. I'm like interested to see like who, who, who does John Wall hang out with? Cause you know, John Wall is a little bit, you know, different. He got a little, a little street to him. So I'm just interested to see what, what type of crowd, like which NBA players he likes to hang out with. Like Damian Lillard probably might be one of them. Um, I mean, also, with like, you are so very good friends, so at least now they are, yeah. And also, want to see like how beefs might work out because I mean, I don't think Westbrook and Damian Lillard have like an on site they fighting beef, but I will want to see how they act around each other, like, say, if I they go to the same restaurant, they'll give each other a nice mug and then look away. I say, that. yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I just want to see how stuff like that works, you know. But also, like you said, like you about to lead, you can go ahead and take it on. Just like which specific players might be most exciting to just have a reality TV show on in general, not even just in relation with other players. Yeah, um, oh, uh, you know, even your mom just said like, no groupie love. Like some players are not going to have. Like it's going to be hard for some players just to just to be isolated. But in Disney some, World. <laughs> in, in Disney World. In Disney World. But some players I would like to have a reality show on. I'll say Giannis. You know what? Yeah. The outside of basketball. I mean, yeah, I he's a mysterious guy. Wife, but I think his wife, but I know at least girlfriend. But I've seen that. But we don't really know about Giannis outside of basketball. Of course, Kawhi. Of course, Kawhi. Yeah, we need. Yeah, we need answers. We gotta. We gotta see what Kawhi likes to eat. We just. I need to know what this guy's life what, is like. What does Kawhi do in quarantine? We have not yeah. heard from this man since. Since like, does uh, he even play Xbox or PlayStation? What does he do for fun? What does he do? He seems like the type of guy that like to play solitary by himself all day. A minesweeper. I don't know. He's just a weird dude. I'm interested no. in knowing what he does Everybody, though. And we and we gotta see our good roster Tim Duncan. What oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. With the whole up dreads and everything. What I need been? to see his closet with all those oversized striped shirts. I need to see his closet. I need him to give a tour of his closet while he's in Orlando. I gotta see. I gotta know because I'm pretty sure it's a bunch of Echo Unlimited, a bunch of Fubu Sketchers. Because he does not care, and I not need that all. laugh. I need that laugh. I'm going to need that laugh. So, yeah. I remember, like, it was, like, years ago. When we were in college, I was joking, like, what if we ever see Tim Duncan with locks or, like, with a trendy hairstyle? Yeah. (laughs) The day where he actually has that on. He has, like, the – he doesn't have the – he don't have the hood locks. He has, like, the more poetry woke locks type of thing. Yeah, I'm I'm saying, though. like Yeah, I like it. You got that rock and roll ghetto locks, like – yeah, <laughs> you see how I'm going to hit you with some spoken word real quick. Like, I, yeah, I, I'll, 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 I'll see Tim Duncan with that. 
I thought to see him with the same like buzz cut with the like with no lineup. I just thought I would see him like that every single time. Or with the same no lineup. That was it. Yeah, man. It's a lot of interesting characters that I'm I like. Like I said, I want to just see the different crowds, like who hangs out with who, because um Westbrook's kind of like a tweener, but um I just can't see somebody like John Wall in his crowd being around people like Kyrie and his crowd. Like I'm just oh, very God, interested in seeing I'm just very he's interested in seeing how everybody vibes together when they're doing stuff. Cause I'm pretty sure te- people from other teams are gonna choose to hang out with whoever they want to hang out with. And we might even get some like so in the reality TV, we might get some spade games or some domino games out of people. And I would love to see that. I would love to see like four NBA players, especially some strong personality guys, um, have some spades games against each other, play some poker. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of different ways they can go with the reality television and just give them a deck of cards and see what happens. Don't give yeah. them some dice, though. We don't need to see that on television with everything that's going on. But give them a deck of cards, give them some dominoes. I'm definitely down to watch that. I'm all for it. Hey, if this gets the players, if the players get paid from this, get paid even more money, I see the players probably like, hey, want to videotape me in my life? Let's do it. If that exactly to recoup some of the money that they lost during the pandemic, hey, I'll be, I would want to watch it too. And if like certain people like really shine, like ratings wise and people like just really pull up to watch them after quarantine, after the NBA playoffs, they might get their own little spinoff. You know what I'm saying? Walk with wall or something like that. (laughs) Rest with Westbrook. I don't know. Something like that. Um, Yeah. Just somebody might get a spinoff just from how interesting their life is, how interesting their personality is. So um, yeah, I, I just don't see any strategic negative to them having some sort of reality television involved with this whole 22 team playoff format that they're about to implement. Yeah. Like um, I'll be interested after reading this news to see what James Johnson of the Miami heat well, still the Miami. <laughs> you know, he was exiled, but um, he was like a black belt and like he's from a family of black belts. Like I want to see like what he's about. Cause I remember when him and, and, and LeBron James were going at each other like years back. So yeah. like, like what this guy about behind the scenes. Yeah, I saw on Twitter like somebody like you have to pick you have to pick one guy to fight. Of course they had Ron Artest at Zebo. They had a few of the older guys that had James Johnson and stuff. That was really I didn't know who to pick, honestly. But they had a lot of uh they had Steven Jackson, of course. Um they but yeah, it's just it's not fair because James Johnson, like you said, is a black belt. That's different. Yeah. I'm, that made no combat. Six nine two fifty, I'm taking James Johnson. Yeah, yeah. And it's not even just the attitude. It's not just fighting all your life type of thing. He is a trained fighter, not a boxer. Yeah. Black belt karate fighter or whatnot. Like, yeah, this guy's he, he he's been he's been trained. He's been a yeah, he knows leverage, he knows angles, he knows counters. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I'm not, yeah. James Johnson got it. James Johnson easily has it. Trey Young looks like he smells bad. <laughs> Don't knock on Trey Young like that. Trey Young is a god. <laughs> Trey Young uh, is on the map. <laughs> no, I saw him. Um, he, he was, was doing bad all his life. He was balling at uh, in Oklahoma City recently at their little stadium or whatever. And I'm yeah. like, is coronavirus over? Like they were having like a little basketball tournament, and he was in it, and everybody was chilling, no mask on. I'm I'm confused. He plays for the Atlanta Hawks. They're they're not coming. Yeah, Atlanta um, doesn't care. Georgia Atlanta doesn't is essentially care. like coronavirus is done in, in Atlanta figuratively. Oh yeah, they, yeah, like, they've been, 
I'm not sure if people were here weren't here last stream, but we talked about it. Georgia is literally acting like coronavirus never happened. People are at clubs, restaurants are open, people are hanging out, chilling. It's literally like nothing happened. I don't know exactly how every other city's doing it, but people are literally out here, even without masks, just chilling. Like life is normal. You definitely can't give athletes cards. You are right. You are right, Daddy Smokes the Amps. <laughs> give it a read. Also, Javaris Crittenton, also from Atlanta, who uh, <laughs> rock guns with Gilbert Arenas. But um, I'm for the response from a Hawks fan. I'm an all NBA fan. My home teams are Boston Celtics and Atlanta Hawks. So I have shade a little towards bias towards um, the Hawks and the Celtics, but. I mean, Trey Young don't smell bad. Like, just because he's bald. Nah, nah, he do. I think it's because of his hair. I think yeah, it's because of his hair. That, he look unkept. That's what we're going to say. That's the best way to put it. That's the nicest way. He looks unkept. Yeah, he just got it. That's it. He just got it. He came home yet. Yeah, that is, yeah, he definitely looks unkept. Poor baby. <laughs> but now nah, he was balling though. He was hitting them with some moves. If you haven't seen it, he had like this one and one near the end of the clip where he was completely fouled, like held on to, and just kind of threw something up. He made it. Of course, he was hitting his long ranges. I mean, it was like nobody could do anything. You say what? NBA player? No, no, he was the only NBA player. I think. Yeah, I think he was the only NBA player there. I'd do that if I'm a if I'm playing against him. Why I mean, it wasn't like really aggressive, but it was literally like try to make him not score, and he still threw up some. It was like medium range too. It was like a jump shot range, and he like hit him, and he just kind of like that a little bit, and it's still it was and one cash. You know I'm saying like, why don't you accidentally injure him? <laughs> so oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one. So I'm like, <laughs> hey, I'm not touch you at all, just in case. Yeah, but they were trying really hard. You could tell, like, they was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to eat off. If I can lock down Trey Young, I might get a 10-day contract. But he was embarrassing them out there, so it was dark for them. A NBA player could cook anyone on a basketball court. Yeah, it's just – it's a different level. It's a different level. NBA players are freaks. Like, even even the guys we think are terrible in the NBA, when they play against other people, they dominate. They just don't dominate at the NBA level because the talent is just that great. Exactly. Um, I remember a God's gift to Chua from St. John's, who was one of the bench players for St. John's. Um, he came to the he came to the recreation court in our school and started knocking down threes like seven in a row, like mid-game, like during a pickup game. And this is a guy who doesn't shoot outside from under the basket in in St. John's when he was playing in St. John's. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't step from outside five feet out the basket. But in a pickup game, who's knocking down threes? And this is a college bench player. Think of an NBA <laughs> bench player. Think of exactly. Exactly, bro. It's it's just different levels, bro. It's different levels to this, man. The, oh, the yeah. person you think is sorry in the NBA is like a god in real life. If you were to play against him, yeah, Trey Young. Well, there's another comment saying Trey got them baby dolphin teeth. Well, that's the baby dolphin teeth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, he do got an overbite as well, but just because of that, like, man, don't, hey, don't man, he can hoop. Hey, but yeah, buddy he can hoop, man. Yeah, hooper. Yeah, buddy can definitely hoop. He looks a little uncut, but he can hoop. Kobe White, <laughs> upcoming star, watch out. Uh, I like Kobe White. He's he's played much better during the second half of this season, and he's like one of the. It was like he's like yeah, one of the biggest disappointments that coronavirus happened because he was coming on strong 
for the Chicago Bulls, but coronavirus happened, they didn't get to finish the season, but yeah, I'd say Kobe White has a lot of potential to eventually eventually replace Zach Levine as their top offensive player once they eventually will trade Zach Levine because Zach Levine's on a huge contract. So I can see Kobe White taking that place like in a few years. Okay, yeah, I definitely um I definitely see that. And then um also when I don't have it in the list of things we were gonna talk about. Oh, wrong button. But I definitely want to talk about this whole Mikey Williams situation because this is like a bigger message um, than just beyond him. But, you know, to set up the premise and everything, Mikey Williams is basically the best 15, 15-year-old basketball player in the world, technically. Like, when he's finally able to graduate high school, he's going to be, like, the number one recruit. He's going to be, like, Ben Simmons-level type of guy. And um, he recently tweeted that going to an HBCU wouldn't be too bad. Which of course sparked. I mean, it sent Twitter out of control because if you really think about it, you can make HBC. I mean, it's basketball. It's not even football where you have to get a lot of people. If he chooses to go to an HBCU and commit the one and actually go to one, then he can bring other great talent with them, like the other top guys coming out of high school. And then whatever HBCU they go to could actually be a dominant force in the bracket and actually be one of the top teams. So it, you could actually take your talent somewhere and make that team um, better. So um, I, I'm definitely in favor for that. That would be great because we've always, you know, people have preached all, you know, for the, a long time that we should try to take talent towards the HBCUs and make them competitive in sports. And basketball is probably the quickest sport you can do that with because you really only need like two or three guys to really separate yourselves amongst the competition. Really? And so, um, I mean, we already saw it with Ben Simmons. Went, that's not even HBCU, but he went to LSU, and he didn't care. He was like, I'm going to do me. We're not going to make it far. I don't really care, but I just want to go to the school that I want to go to. So, Mike, you perfect example. You said who? Anthony Edwards. Oh, yeah, example. yeah. Went to Georgia. Yes, sir. I mean, he was over there. I mean, he – so we got some four-star guys because of him, but it wasn't enough to make us like a true heavyweight in the potential uh, March Madness. But he brought some talent with him. At that point, they're going to be just like Ben Simmons. Yeah, but he brought some talent with them. The talent wasn't great, but those people only came to Georgia because Anthony Edwards came to Georgia. So um, Mikey Williams could definitely spark that. And what's even better is that he's still 15. So he's saying this ahead of time so that um, other people can, um, like other top talent can be like, okay, so now we can plan accordingly and it's, it's not like a last-second thing. Say if he was 17 and then decided this, then it would be hard because somebody else may have already committed to one place, may have committed to another place like Duke or Kentucky or whatever. But now that he's saying that it's at 15, the other 15 or even 16-year-olds that are going to be great talents um, recruiting-wise can you know plan around this, and they may be able to meet up at an HBCU. And that would be great because HBCUs are already really fun. The only thing missing from HBCUs are sports. So for an HBCU to have a top 25 team, especially with the best player possibly in college basketball, um, that would be so fun, especially if it was like somewhere like Morehouse where I could go to the games and stuff like that. That would be amazing. Morehouse games are free. Exactly. And so that would, and then that would just spark more people going to HBCUs and bringing more power and money to HBCUs for the athletics. So um, I love that. I mean, he, he never said he was going to go to one. But, you know, he just threw that tweet out there to basically say, I'm thinking about it and got stuff people, like that. So got, I love got it. people asking those questions. Got people thinking about it. That's great. Yeah. Fair or not. Yeah, I really appreciate uh, him. I really do. 
Now, if I were him, I'll go to the G League. I'll just say, like, hey, like, screw college altogether. I'm going to the G League. But, hey, it'll be great on him if he does go to an HBCU. One of the main uh, crit- uh, like one of the main criticisms I've always hear, because I was – like, I remember we did a podcast, i say, about a couple years ago. We did talk about this. I don't know if you remember, Rico. But we did talk about what if NFL players went – I mean, not NFL players, uh, high school football players – Go to HBCUs instead and build mm-hmm. that up. Like top, like top five star recruits go to HBCUs instead and build yeah. that. And one of the criticisms I heard when I made that argument to someone else as well is that, well, you don't have the facilities like a Duke, like a North Carolina, like an Alabama in football. Well, if they go there, they're bringing money to that university. They are bringing money so they can build those facilities for the future. Mm-hmm. Like Mike exactly. oh, he's a he's a basketball player. He's only going to be there for one year. He's only in there to play basketball games. He doesn't need to work out in the facilities. The facilities aren't that good. He's just yeah. there to build the name, and he's still going to be a top pick regardless. And it doesn't matter about uh, TV revenue if he comes to an HBC. Let's say if he comes to um, Fort Valley State, Tuskegee, or Morehouse, if he does come to any of those HBCUs. Um, they're going to they're going to get the TV revenue. They're going to be on ESPN. They're mm-hmm. going to bring just his presence alone. The and money's going to follow him. Yeah, other top high school recruits if they go there as well, they're going to follow. So they'll exactly. bring to those HBCUs, and those HBCUs will be better off for it. It'll so like, spark hey, a movement. It'll be a smart move. It'll spark a movement. If he's only going to be in college basketball for one year just so he could go to the NBA, like, hey, might as well start a movement. Might as well just make a mark. Might as well exactly. build up HBCU. So instead of going to, like, let's say a university, that, let's be honest now, that um, outside the basketball team, how many other black people do you see on campus? <laughs> if you go to Auburn, if you go to a Duke, if you go yeah. to North Carolina. I remember growing up, like, just as a – Black kid, my, my favorite my favorite college team was Auburn, just because they had Jason Campbell, Cadillac Williams, and Ronnie Brown. So I grew up um, with the intention that when I get old enough for college, I'm going to Auburn. And Auburn sent me letters when I was a high school freshman. So I was extremely happy when I got that. So I didn't even let my interest know that I wanted to go to Auburn, but they sent me letters. So I was mm. so ready to go to Auburn until my high school senior year when Cam Newton won the national championship. They got super popular, but that's a solid story. When I checked the demographic of Auburn, I saw it was about 92% white, um, 6% black, and like the rest is Asian. Or or it was the other way around, where it was like there was more Asians than blacks. But it was like like 4 to 6% black. And I got so turned off by that. Because I'm like, mm. what? I'm like, the whole football team is black. Why aren't there many black people outside of football team? So watching college sports, I always had the mindset that there's a lot of black people just because who was on their sports teams. But it's like most of the black people, I won't say most, but like a good portion of black people are there because they play athletics. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you go to an HBCU that, that is historically black. Historically black doesn't mean that it's all black people that go to the school. It's just historically black. It used to be just an all black college. 
um, people of different races could go to HBCUs now as well. But if they do go to a historic black, historically historic black college where most of the demographic is black, I think that's going to definitely spark a movement. And I think that would make the NCAA adjust and that will make the mm-hmm. world notice as well. Yes, exactly. And like you said earlier, I mean, not having good facilities in the beginning is not going to matter. Just because Mikey Williams doesn't have top-notch facilities is not going to make him worse than a guy that has less talent than him but better facilities. He's still going to be better than that guy. It doesn't matter that much at all. It would be nice to have him, but he doesn't need them. I mean, he can have his own personal, um, like, facilities. He can have, like, his own personal trainer as long as he's not getting paid. And by the time he comes to the NCAA, there will be compensating players, at least outside of, well, like, they'll be able to take on sponsorship. So let, let's say yeah. he gets sponsored to work out or by Nike or something, sponsor him to use, like, a certain gym. And maybe he could get that instead if the facilities aren't as good. Exactly. So there's always ways to work around it. And at the end of the day, he doesn't really need them. His talent is going to outshine a, a player with less talent with a better facility anyway. Yo, if we get like a player like Mikey Williams and Cullen Morehouse, well, I Huge. doubt it will be free anymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. Morehouse games will no longer be free. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, that's done. No, that's done because it's, it's going to be that's too bad. That's building money for those colleges. And those colleges could, if, if more black athletes just go to colleges like that, not just basketball, but football as well, that's just going to add more money to the school. So we won't have to worry about that criticism like, hey, they don't have good facilities. They don't have great coaches because once the players are coming in, then that's when they start bringing on the money. Why do you think schools like Duke, like North Carolina, like Alabama, like UGA, they have so much money? It's because of their athletics. Their mm-hmm. football and basketball teams bring so much money to the school that they're able to pay this much amount of money to coaches and they're able to have these big arenas, these big stadiums, these great facilities. Is because the players. No, this is no, this is just actual never argument why players should be paid, but this is why players can also go to HBCUs as well. And spark change, exactly. And like like we said earlier, basketball is the easiest sport to do it in. Well, easiest team I, sport to do it in. And yeah, I seen what Smoke Jam said. I mind that boy a fool. I don't hey. I seen that. <laughs> I, I mean, seen it's not a given that you're gonna go for a Go for me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, also, um, beyond Mikey Williams, did you hear about that that Nick Barnes guy that ran a 414 40-yard dash recently? What say to get a 40414 414 40-yard dash? Uh it was it electronically timed or was it hand time? That, well, I'm still trying to see, but there's like a video of it. Amazing, but I mean, hey, yeah, we got it. Yeah, I need to see how bad that, that, that is. That's not human. That's that's the same. <laughs> that's faster than the same bowl. I, I believe. <laughs> man, that man's gonna be recruited left and right for everything. <laughs> yeah, bro, I, I gotta look into it. I haven't had the chance to watch the video, but I've heard about it. My boy, uh, Derek JB was um telling me about it. And I haven't gotten a chance to really like. I know there's a video out there that's going viral of him actually running it. I wish I could show it on here. That would be dope. But um, yeah, it's just like 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 Jones is saying, bro. I don't even know how that's physically possible. Honestly, I mean that is just ridiculous. It's not electronic time. It could be a four two, which is still mind blowing. But four one four. 
<laughs> Bruh. He must, he must. He must be the Flash. He must be the Bruh. Flash. Faster than Tyreek Hill is ridiculous. I, mean, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what to say about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. I, if I if I would have watched the video, I have more to say and be able to expound upon it about you know a little bit more. But I mean, not seeing the video, I just don't know how much to believe in it yet because that's yeah, absolutely a, ridiculous. Yeah, hand time. Yeah, if they used a hand timer then. Um. Yeah, I'm probably just going to take it at like he was probably like a tenth of a second, like we were like tenths of seconds off. If it could have yeah. been four three, like yeah. um, or if you really went four four, I don't know. So he probably probably pressed it too early. Like who knows? <laughs> like, that is ridiculous. On that, for for me, I mean, I'm mind blown by that, but for me to be truly mind blown, got to get the electronic time. Yeah, yeah. For it to be, you know, completely valid, we know for a fact that's what he actually ran and all of that. I, I do agree. I do agree. But that would, yo, if that becomes, like, if they can confirm that, because I'm pretty, I think they can do it through video, even though somebody wasn't there. Like, with how technology works, you can actually time it while watching the video, probably, and they'll come out with the official time maybe later on. If any, if he's anything below 4-2, instant five-star recruit. I don't care if he's he can't throw. I don't care if he can't run routes. Five-star he'll still be a first-round pick. Exactly. 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 Like we'll, we'll find a position room. We'll find a position. Yeah, we'll make, we'll make something. Returner, gadget guy, something. You're going to be something. God-level slot receiver if he can learn route running. Um, yeah, we're going to figure something out for you. Yeah, and I just I can't wait to see how, how much this develops further because I, I need to know if this is real or not. I have yeah. to know. Because <laughs> that's that's unheard of. If you really think about it. The fact that that's faster than you say, be on Madden. Like ninety nine will even do him justice. Oh yeah, they would have to like give him hundred and five on Madden. <laughs> hundred and five speed. Have to break the game. They would have to literally give him an X factor that only he has that just glitches him faster. Like just yeah. something is just ridiculous. But yeah, I gotta um I definitely gotta check out that video as soon as soon as this stream ends, I'm watching it because I gotta oh, see it. Me too. I just yeah. need to see if it's blurry or not. I need to see if he's just a walk-in blur. I, yeah, <laughs> I got I gotta got watch that as well. <laughs> but yeah, man, that whole Mikey Williams situation is crazy because that whole HBCU thing could be a may I mean that could spark so much change and we could turn HBCUs into top-notch uh sports franchise, um sports programs and that could be great i mean i'll bring them more money because we um, i'm not sure if you know but morehouse has this fair share of problems already like some oh, of their know. housing buildings don't have air conditioning because they literally just can't afford to pay it right I, now honestly i believe it like look at the area they live in the west yeah, side yeah 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 they are true they on the west yeah, side of atlanta right in it it's underfunded that, that whole like area is underfunded exactly man it's right so, outside the stadium it's an expensive school but they still just don't have money for a lot of random stuff. Like I said, there's one building that doesn't have air conditioning right now. I'm not sure if they if they fixed it yet, but I know it was a few months they didn't have air conditioning or heat or something like that. Um, there's just so many different issues that they're having. So, and just not even Morehouse, but everybody, Howard, all of those schools, to be able to just bring more money into their programs and stuff would just help, not just athletic wise, but just the school in general. Yeah, if you're like yeah, you're a young athlete who who is one of the best in the nation. You um, you're not 
like too well versed in black issues, black problems, because you probably haven't been focused on that. You've been focusing on your craft. If you really want to make your voice heard, if you want really want to make a huge impact, go into an HBCU. That 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 would do a world of impact. Yes, please. Because you're adding money, you're adding wealth to the university. You're adding wealth to the black community. And what you're giving back is you're just playing sports for them. You're just playing basketball. You're playing football for that year, two or three years you're at the school for. That would do the HBCU like a world of good. Like thing, like you're you could be the reason why some places, like some dorms, could now probably have air conditioning or mm. some like some buildings will get renovated. You could be the reason just because you play sports for that school. And then he'll go down in history, even just beyond basketball. Like that's like a almost like black activist level. Yeah, Yeah. like he'll go down in the history books for that. I I would I would like to see that happen. Um, I'm I like that a lot of current professional players or or retired players like Dwayne Wade, Chris Paul are encouraging these young athletes to also go to HBCUs, even though they have it themselves. I'm pretty sure some of these athletes are look look back and like you know what I kind of wish I went to an HBCU instead. Maybe in Chris mm-hmm. Paul's play, uh, case, since um he wasn't uh, he really made a name for himself in college. I don't think he was like too highly talented in high school, but in mm-hmm. college he made a name for himself. Probably couldn't do that. But let's say like a like an Anthony Davis or like a oh, Carl yeah. Anthony, like if they went to HBCUs. Um, they will still be your top picks. They will still be superstars, but they will also do the do the world uh, do the world a load of good. So let's say that five star recruit whose reputation won't be ruined if they go to an HBCU. Just go, um, be there for a year, make money for the school. Who knows? Um, their um their stock could probably fall just because they probably won't be seen as much, or they'll probably be criticized for going against a lower level of competition. But that's just a small price to pay for the world of good yeah. that you do to the school. Because, hey, if you were a baller in high school and you know you're going to be a baller in the NBA, you'll still be a baller regardless if you go to Morehouse, Howard, or Duke, or North Carolina. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, man, I feel like I feel like going against lower level of competition doesn't affect draft stock in the NBA as much as it does NFL. Because if you play in one of those back conferences in the NFL – you almost go drafted even when you look great. I mean, but NBA, you know what I'm saying? You kind of play everybody in a way, especially once you get to the, the tournament. So um, I definitely feel like you you always have a chance to to um, to um to make yourself look good in front of NBA scouts and in NBA teams, no matter what, even if you're playing at low, lower level competition. Yeah, you always have a chance, but um... – I don't want. I just want to make sure. I just want to correct. I just want to ask you, Rico. So, some HBCUs can they be eligible to go to NCAA tournaments? I know they got their own tournament themselves. Oh, that is an interesting. Yeah, they, part. Got their own, they got their own tournament, so I don't know if they're even eligible for NCAA because they're a completely different division. Because um, the division that we watch on TV is Division One. Yeah, and HBCUs are a completely different division. But maybe if they're good enough, can they be elevated? Yeah. Well, my team. So I mean, if you go to HBCU, you probably just gotta live with the fact that hey, you can't have go to a tournament. But hey, a lot of the college freshmen this past year couldn't play the tournament. So yeah, I mean, and at the end of the day, they um with like I said earlier, 
with him saying this so young at 15, they can get the proper preparations set. You know, maybe uh, if if he can find an HBCU that that's his goal to go towards, then maybe the, that HBCU themselves can work to try to get themselves into Division One to prepare for him to get there. So they're already Division One when he comes or something like that. But he would just have to give like a real hard commit to that school to get the to, get, to even start that process. So I mean that could work. You know what I'm saying? That I mean I definitely hope he does it. Um, even if he has to become a sacrifice, like you said, maybe his draft stock might lower. And if they're, if H, if the HBCU he goes to isn't able to compete in the tournament, he won't be able to participate in March Madness and stuff like that. But I mean, it'll just be, it'll have such a large impact on the future of just black sports and black colleges. Um, that I, I definitely feel like it'll be worth it and he will be strongly appreciated. I mean, anything he needs, everybody will have his back. He will never have to go anywhere and worry about, you know, certain things. I mean, black people are going to have his back everywhere for him sacrificing his college career like that. Yeah, I've um, got a comment. Um, um, North Carolina A&T's Division One. Tory Cohen went there of the Chicago Bears. Um, that's true, but for basketball with the NCAA tournament, um, like there could have been an HBCU that went to the tournament, but like I don't remember any HBCU that went to the NCAA tournament. So who knows? I mean, yeah. that's with football, but who knows with basketball? Exactly. Yeah. This thing is HBCUs are, are, like, never really at that level to compete with Division One teams. Yeah. Once they finally get the talent, they'll be acknowledged enough to possibly be able to, to compete against Division One guys. Yeah, exactly. This is going to take one to spearhead the movement and then hopefully guys follow behind him. Hopefully he doesn't do it and then nobody does it again for like 10 years. Hopefully it's just a consistent flow of great talent to at least that HBCU as a start type of thing. And if players like that would go to HBCU, that would give give them a bigger student body because now you just have more, more people. Or not athletes that would like say like, "Hey, I want to go to this HBCU as well." Like, you got all these athletes over there. I want to. Yeah, I might have gone. I might have gone. Hey, man. <laughs> I went to St. John's is because of their historic basketball team. That's why I went to St. John's mm-hmm. in New York. But number one was their historic basketball team. Yeah. If Morehouse had that, I probably would have tried to go to Morehouse instead. Exactly. Yeah, they, uh, bro. That's like the main gripe I have with HBCUs is that their athletics just aren't elite, and that's and the, big for me. The the great thing about HBCUs, if you ever go to any HBCU game, are their bands. Their bands are amazing. The battle of the bands. If you mm-hmm. get top players to go to those schools, oh, that would that would give a college uh, sports game a different experience. It's like you have more people coming to. Those HBCU games, you'll see the battle of the bands with with good sports play. That that's just gonna that's just gonna bring if that's on TV. That's just gonna bring a different experience to the college atmosphere, to college sports games in general. If you watch from TV, because those exactly. uh, battle of the bands are interesting. I remember when I went to my first HBCU football game. That was an experience. <laughs> Yeah, Battle of the Bands is different. I mean, that's more of a Southern thing anyway. That's like more of a Southern black thing. So that's a pretty unique experience in itself. Um, yeah, Battle of the Bands is really fun because it's almost like their own competition within the game. You have the actual sports you're watching, and then you have the the bands going competing against each other too. 
So um, hey, that, that's really interesting. At times, like that time I went there, the Bears were more interested in the actual football game. The football game was <laughs> the, the yes. Bears were actually more interested. Especially the drum majors. <laughs> yeah, it was a uh, the game I went to. I think was Morehouse Tuskegee game. I think it was a classic Morehouse Tuskegee classic. And, oh yeah, um, where you have to go? Did you go to the one in Alabama or the one that was closer to here? The like, one was it at Morehouse? No, it was like South Georgia. It was yeah, yeah. It's it like, like it's. I went to that recently. Yeah, I went like to the, the most recent one they did. Yeah, it's like the Georgia, the Georgia Alabama. Huh? Yeah, the football one. Yeah. You were there? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was the, the Morehouse Tuskegee. <laughs> yeah, it was it was me, my cousins, Lyric Z, our um granddad, um, and uncle, and yeah, it was my granddad's brothers and stuff. Yeah, we all went as like a group. Wait, so we were in the same place at the same time. We did not and know. Then know it. Then he didn't know it. <laughs> yeah, because I remember it was really hot that day. That was terrible. But it was really it was fun, but it was just really hot. And they had the yo, parade yo, before yo, it and it stuff. Yeah, it was like 97. It was scorching. Yeah, it was terrible. It was terrible. But that's crazy that you were there. That, that's wild. Like, that was super out of nowhere for us. Like, we weren't really expecting to do that, and we just randomly went to go do it. It was really fun. I was uh, doing that as part of, like, my internship. I was filming games. Well, I was, well, like, helping. Well, there was a, there was um, one guy who I was learning from who was, like, mm. sort of like, my mentor. He was filming the games. And I was watching him, so I was like, like right on the sidelines. But I really didn't know you were at the game. Yeah, that's wild. Morehouse was losing. We left by like third okay, quarter yeah, sometime. It was a mess. <laughs> it was yeah. a mess. Morehouse was getting diddy bop. We had to leave. <laughs> yeah, but also during that game too, it wasn't just um, Morehouse was losing on the field. They're also losing the bands too, because uh, Tuskegee Morehouse they were trash talking with their chants and the and yeah. Each fans and Tuskegee was winning even with the trash talk as well. Nothing to say. I was like, wow, you are not looking good. You are not looking good. That heat was terrible. That heat was just horrendous. But the parade before everything was really fun. Like this too. So I was I was dying. Yeah, I was covered up in my jacket. my jacket over me to protect me from the sun. It was terrible. Yo, we really at the same place at the same time. Yeah, that's wild, especially somewhere so far. That's wild. That's literally where um my granddad is from. That's where my granddad was, like, born and raised. So that's another reason we went there. He, like, took us to where he used to live at and stuff like that. Oh, that that that's great. Um, <laughs> so what I'm seeing in the comments, um, yeah, Steve McNair, he did go to HBCU. Um, Doug Williams as well. The story with Steve McNair was that he wanted to go. Well, he was actually highly touted as an athlete for uh, college. But Division One schools, they wanted him, they didn't want him to play quarterback because during that time, even though he was after Doug Williams, black quarterbacks were still very taboo. So even though he was a good quarterback in high school, they wanted him to play defensive back, um, yeah, quarterback safety. They didn't want him to play quarterback. So he had to go to an HBCU because that was the only school that would take him at quarterback. And look at him now. Well, be rest in peace, Steve McNair. But look at him like for his NFL career. Mm-hmm. He was a Hall of Fame quarterback. He was a Hall of Fame caliber quarterback in his NFL career. But that's that was the one problem with the NFL in the '90s and even earlier than that. Because Doug Williams is a pioneer for black quarterbacks. Is that mm-hmm. every time you were a black quarterback, they want you to play a different position because they look at you and your athletic abilities. So like. 
and and the stereotypes that we're we're not smart enough to pick up a playbook and that like look you gotta play a different position you can't play quarterback you're too fast or too athletic but once you got a, it was a white a player with the same skill set they won that quarterback yeah that's a lot better right now of course we have loads of black quarterbacks right now in today's NFL but you'll still have your detractors like. Um, Lamar Jackson, most recent example, um, even though Lamar Jackson was a Heisman winning quarterback at Louisville, um, he looked like the second coming of Vic, and and he has a rocket arm. There were still detractors that said, like, oh, uh, he should be a receiver. He should be a running back. So much so that he didn't do a 40 time just so he could prove to everybody he's a quarterback. And yeah. now he's not defending MVP. Exactly. I exactly. I'm so I, I love Lamar presence. I love Lamar Jackson's presence in the game. Um, like you said, the the fact that he skipped that 40 time, I love that. I remember applauding him when I heard about that. And I love the fact that he's actually matured passing wise. That first year was a little ugly, but then he came back. Um, they they set up offense around him. They gave him, you know, his tight ends that he could depend on, and he's actually shown what he can do with his arm. Um, you know, in the playoffs, for some reason, everything breaks down. But so much further than um, Sam Darnold. I mean, at least, yeah, he's so much further off than Sam Darnold. You see the progression from his first. Yeah, his first year, he was, he was, you know, I would say he was a horrible passer, but he was very inaccurate. Yeah, very inconsistent. A lot of pressure. He did struggle passing the ball, but he took those criticism criticism he had that year during his playoff game, his rookie year, and he built on it. He improved tremendously, as opposed to Sam Darnold, who had a marginal improvement from his first and second year, and we're still not really sure of him, and he was a top-five pick. You had exactly. Jackson was in the late first round, who some still – who I mean, some not still say, but some said when he got drafted that in the late first round by the Ravens that it was a reach. And now yeah. Especially since they traded up to they traded up into the first round to get him with that last pick. A lot of people really felt like it was a reach for some reason. Yeah. So yeah. I mean that is still that that um stereotype still happens today. Exactly. And, like if you are a if you are a black quarterback, you don't need to be a receiver. I mean, there's some cases where you'll probably have to. If you don't have the arm strength, but Lamar Jackson's case he had more than enough arm strength he was good enough to be a quarterback of course his passing his his accuracy wasn't polished yet but that could be improved on yeah exactly exactly i do agree yeah I, i'm i'm very happy about lamar jackson's presence especially since he went from night and day mechanics wise and accuracy and everything like that so it showed that you can truly uh you can, you know, beat the detractors. And then also, um, I hate how, like, whenever there's, like, a mobile quarterback, like, that's not black, they, like, praise his mobile. Like, they've been stretching the whole Mitch Trubisky being mobile for so long. Like, like you know, keep believing in him. He's fast. You know what I'm saying? It's just this amazing thing that he's just fast. And it's so annoying. I <laughs> Mr. Bisky is a perfect example. Mr. Bisky honestly was a black quarterback. <laughs> is it too late for you to, uh, to go to wide receiver at this point? Because he is fast. And he, he used to be a wide receiver before. Mm, so the problem is he can't throw. He can run, but he can't throw. 
Exactly. <laughs> I mean, it would be nice to use him on a trick play like a flea flicker to throw it maybe, but not as a consistent NFL quarterback. It is not it. Look at Baker Mayfield, for example. Baker Mayfield was more of a scrambling quarterback at Oklahoma. If Baker Mayfield was uh, – well, I'll say Lamar Jackson was white. Would he been picked over Baker Mayfield? Like, just just to be for real. Yeah, that's a, that's a point. Undersized, scrambling quarterback. He he could throw. I mean, yeah, he could throw. He he had he was great under pressure. At least in college, he was. But his his like main strength was his mobility in the pocket. But in the NFL right now, at least his second year, he's severely regressed. While the last quarterback drafted in that first round, or at least Lamar Jackson, he's. He incredibly improved. Like, let's say if he was a white quarterback with the same skill set, still won the Heisman, still had all those rushing yards, um, all those touchdowns he had, passing touchdowns in Louisville. I I believe he would have been a top 10 pick, definitely. Man, hey, hey man, it's just the reality of things, honestly. I'm not even going to lie. But, um, yeah, man, I, that, that whole Baker Mayfield situation is crazy, too, because he looked he – looked, Really good with Ken Zampese as his quarterback coach. And as soon as Ken Zampese left, who is currently the Redskins quarterback coach, which I'm excited about, Baker Mayfield just looked day and night. I mean, it was the exact opposite. I don't know. That second year was terrible. I mean, a granted, the offensive line wasn't at like dependable and great. But even when they were blocking, even though when the receivers were open, Baker Mayfield, I don't know. It was weird. I mean, even his mechanics looked a little sluggish. And now I just felt Baker Mayfield didn't put in the work during the offseason. Baker Mayfield, was yeah. at, he had more um, – I think Steve they missed they, that example. He had more commercials than touchdowns. <laughs> um, he, also, he, he was also talking a whole bunch of trash during that last offseason about Hugh Jackson, about other players. He just wouldn't shut up. And I think he, would, he, he bought into his own hype, and that was the problem. That and of course you had, like you said, um, different quarterback coaches. Um, Freddie Kitchens became the head coach. Um, the like the offense, the coaching was completely different. It wasn't consistent. His offensive line didn't give him any help, and he had different receivers. He bought him to his own height, and he didn't work. I, I felt like he didn't work enough with the new regime, and he just he just got complacent. As you see what Owe Matt said in his comment, Lamar's progression is a testament to his work ethic and his coach's abilities to coach. Two things that Baker Mayfield didn't have and didn't do. (laughs) Terrible, bro. I'm so sad. I am so sad. Baker has more struggles than wins. That that, that was was a line. (laughs) (laughs) At one point, um, he had more struggles with touchdowns as well. But um, what's it called? It uh, Lamelo Ball has met met with the Golden State Warriors, so that's really interesting because um, they will have a great draft pick because they played so poorly this year with all of the injuries. KD leaving, Clay never touched the floor. Um, Steph Curry being out the majority of the year, so they may could they possibly could end up with an Anthony Edwards or Lamelo Ball, and that's really interesting because how would that work with chemistry? Just another scorer, like how would I'm not exactly sure how that would work. They still already have D'Angelo Russell, I believe, too, right? I don't know. D'Angelo Russell got traded to Minnesota for Andrew Wiggins. 
Oh, that is how they ended up with Andrew Wiggins. Oh, okay, okay, yeah, I forgot about that. Thank you. Yeah, but for that out. reason, that's why I'm not going to draft Lamelo. That's his folks for you. Yeah, I can see, see the Warriors drafted Anthony Edwards, but I can't see I can't see them drafting Lamelo. Yeah, that's he's too many miles guard. to feed. Yeah, too many miles to feed. And he's a shooting point guard. He loves to shoot. That's just too many miles to feed. And Lamelo, well, Lamelo was a shooting point guard in Australia. Became more of a passing point guard. He's actually more like his brother now. And honestly, I feel mm-hmm. like he's better than his brother, or at least he will be better than his brother. Yeah, I definitely. Yeah, I, I feel like Lonzo is very slept on. Like I feel like he's still underrated. He has room yeah. to grow, and he's played better than what people give him credit for. But I agree, Lamelo is going to be the better of the three brothers. If you really want to be honest with you, with Lonzo, I think it's just going to be a slightly better version of Ricky Rubio. I don't think it's going to be. A I can see. I, 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 I can. That's I can still a starting that. point guard to me. That's still a starting point guard. But yeah, I think that's still good. good. Yeah. Yeah. I think LaMelo could still be a star. But with with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, it's not about the offensive chemistry for me. It's about the defense. Because if you have skinny LaMelo ball with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, <laughs> that's not going to be good for defense. I can see Anthony Edwards. Anthony Edwards is 6'5", 220. So he can play each wing position. Even though Andrew Wiggins has played better with the Golden State Warriors, I still don't really buy him as a – as a guy you would want starting for a championship team, I would yeah. take Anthony Edwards and remove Wiggins to the bench or have Anthony Edwards off the bench and give him a scoring punch. Yeah, along with defense, a nice two-way player, yeah. Yeah. I could definitely, yeah, I can definitely see that. Yeah, I just don't understand how LaMelo will work chemistry-wise with that team. And like you said, I mean, like like I was saying, offensively, that's bad too. But like you said, defensively, who's going to be the guy? That, I mean, Klay Thompson is a great defender. Draymond Green is a great defender. But, I mean, who are you going to hide? You can't hide – you already hide Steph Curry away from the ball handler. You can't hide LaMelo also. Even though he has length, like you said, he's very skinny. Yeah, exactly. And just having the ball in his hands is taken away from Steph Curry – and um and Clay Thompson and even Lamelo is a better shooter now. He's not Splash Brothers level shooting. So if he yeah. has the ball, I think that's gonna hurt Steph Curry, Clay Thompson. If he has the ball, I'm not watching for his shooting. I'm just gonna put like more. I'm just gonna put more attention to Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. When Steph Curry has the ball, is trouble because even though he's not a pass for his point guard per se, his best ability to me is not even just his shooting. It's just him being such a deadly threat from the outside that he's just such a huge decoy that mm-hmm. it allows other players to like other players who are not even guarding Steph Curry, just focus on Steph Curry and let their man fall asleep and let their band just sneak in under the basket or just, or just make a cut and have an open three. His Steph Curry's to be best skill is just being such a nuisance to opponents. <laughs> Especially <laughs> around a bunch yeah. of screens. Yeah, he's just such a threat, which is why I feel like he's still like a top five player in the NBA, bar none. He's mm, already yeah. top three if I make my list, like five, like compile my list, he could even be top three. But just that one skill set, if you take the ball out of his hands and put in LaBello, you're going to you're going to hurt that. You're going to hurt that ability. Yeah, you're definitely so, going to diminish Steph Curry's impact on the game. Yeah. So there's a, also a couple players that Warriors could draft um, if they fought outside that that uh like top three. Top right lottery. Yeah, yeah, top three. Yeah, top lottery. Um Obi Toppin um is a good player. I've seen 
I believe he's about 21, 22 years, years old, but he was like the best college player in basketball. And he's a he's a four, very athletic, can score. I can see I can see the Warriors getting an upgrade from Jamon Green, who is at this point ha- is not as good as he used to be. Or they can yeah. move Jamon Green to the five. So I can see Obi Toppin, also a player I know so well because he went to my high school, and I'm very good friends with his uh, older brother. Is is uh, Isaac Okoro? Mm-hmm. He went to Harvard. He's a defensive player similar to Andre Godala. Um, he's I say he's about 20 years old right now, 19 or 20 years old. He is six six two thirty, muscle. Okay, yeah, muscle. straight muscle. Yeah. So this is this is a kid that. I mean, I've seen him since he was in middle school. Like, he has work ethic. He has he has a lot of work ethic. This he he was an offensive player in Auburn. Didn't he wasn't really much of a shooter. He was getting much better in his offensive game towards the latter half of the Auburn season before before the uh, season got canceled. But this guy could already uh, come in to me as a like Andre Iguodala type player for the Warriors. And I'd say, mm-hmm. like, his best potential could be a Jimmy Butler sort of player. And that sounds great for the Warriors to have. That, adding another Igudala back, a younger Igudala back to the Warriors, that definitely sounds like a great compliment to what Steph and Clay need. Yeah, and he, and just like the Warriors, he's a winner. Um, when he played for McKeecher, his last season McKeecher, they were undefeated, won the state championship. He goes to Auburn. Auburn won the best teams in college basketball for his, for his lone freshman year. As a top prospect, so he, he's a proven winner. There, he had a streak where he hadn't lost a game since his junior year in high school before Auburn <laughs> lost the first game, like towards the end of the season, like towards like <laughs> play. He had a streak where he hadn't lost since junior. School. That's amazing. That's Man. a player I would want to grab too. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. definitely something. I see a comment below, like also another top high school prospect. Also, like Mikey Williams, Imani Bates as well. He's compared to Kevin Durant. If he could go to an HBCU as well, I, I that is going to send shockwaves. He's also like one of the Imani Bates is also like one of the most highly t- talented recruits, um, uh, basketball recruits since LeBron James. I believe he's mm. a sophomore right now. He's going to his junior year, but ever even his freshman year, he was already ranked as one of the top prospects in the nation as a freshman. <laughs> and he's already, I believe, like six nine, six ten. This guy's living on his potential. If he could go to HBCU as well, he could send shockwaves. Exactly. Yes, please. Go do it. Go do it. Please. Please, Imani Bates and Mikey Williams. Please. Everybody. Um, but yeah, we're we're reaching 10 p.m. and everything. So, you know what All I'm right. saying? About to about to wrap it up a little bit. Just want to head to the comments to see. I mean, I've been reading the comments the whole time, though. Yeah. I've been keeping up. So um, um, it's not really much going on. So we may be ending the stream a little bit sooner than last time. Even though we have more viewers this time. But um, oh, okay, turn up. I, I can't yeah, see the Oh, yeah, I forgot you can. Oh, yeah, we have oh, more consistent viewers this time. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, but right now we don't have, like, a lot of comments. So Oklahoma freshman quarterback oh. Spencer Rattle is the next QB to watch. He's a beast. I've been hearing about him. I haven't gone to watch him yet, but I've heard about him. Yeah, me too. I, yeah, I've heard about him. I'm this so glad Georgia. Quarterback recently. Just, they've been having a streak. Yeah. Of quarterbacks. 
Hey man, that recruiting boy, that recruiting yeah. come come to Oklahoma. We make Heisman's. We, the we make. They've been using that to to their full advantage. <laughs> if you want to win the Heisman, come to Oklahoma. We got you. <laughs> Tyler Murray, um, Jalen Hurts, that transfer portal as well. Yep, 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 yep. <laughs> hey man, why not? Um, let me see. Like I said, my boy Caleb Wilson's from Gonzaga High School in DC. Okay, that's what's up. Secondly, referring to what teams just like, who would you have liked to the organization to pick up? Secondly, referring to that team's oh, if the Redskins traded and got first round pick with Trent Williams at the deadline last year, what would you have liked to see him go? Um, I don't really have a particular team. I'm cool with him going to Cal Shanahan. I kind of like that. Um kind of a feel-good story he gets to go and play for his former coach uh so that's pretty cool um but if if we had a first round pick say like um they had like the 13th when they took uh Javon Kenlaw I believe and they had like a something in the 20s um either way I would have probably have gone uh one of those big time corners maybe or maybe one of those offensive linemen probably a tackle I love Sadiq Charles but to get one of those uh those first guys, like if we had our chance at Makai Becton or somebody like that, I would have probably have done that. Or one of those elite corners. Or, I mean, really, I, I'm not, I don't remember if the 49ers picked before the Cowboys, but, hey, man, we could have gotten C.D. Lamb. That would have been dope. So that's, that's, that would have been nice to add to what the already um, the group that we brought in with this last draft haul because I loved our draft. And man, um, just to um, basically just to go on a tangent, um, I love how my Georgia's recruiting right now. You know what I'm saying? We got JT Daniels, you feel me? So that's we got Jamie Newman this year, JT Daniels the next year, and then um, Brock, the uh, currently in high school, we have him the year after that. So Georgia's loaded at quarterback, no more Jake Fromms. We should be straight. Oh, Emac said I was thinking receiver, yeah, man. If we could have gotten CD Lamb. With that, uh, if we would have traded Trent Williams for like the 49ers, that pick they had the 13th they got from the Colts or something like that, that would have been dope. What about Demon Arnett? I heard he was good, just um shadowed by Akuda. Yeah, he I, I do like him. I don't think he's Jeffrey Akuda potential wise, but yeah, Damon Arnett at Ohio State, he is a really good corner. Just like how um when uh what's his name who went to the Saints came out, every, all of the attention on it was on him, but the guy that went to the Raiders, Jerron, I can't remember his name. He was also really good. It's kind of a similarity. The one that went to the Raiders, though, he just kept getting hurt. I can't remember his name. But who's the one that went to the Saints recently? I, I see his face. I just can't I'm think good. of his name. Yeah, it starts with an M or something. But, yeah, there was also – Not Marcus Williams. Um, no, not Marcus. Ah, no, man. The corner. The corner. The corner. The shutdown right, corner. Look at my phone. Yeah, yeah please. Look, please. Um, yeah, along with him – there was the guy, I think his name started with a G. He went to the Raiders. Um, I think that it's a similar situation as long as DeMond Arnett can stay healthy. Well, Marshawn Lattimore, yeah. Marshawn Lattimore, thank you. With Marshawn Lattimore, it was the guy whose name starts with a G. I can't remember it. That's similar. That's similar to it. Drew used to be my favorite QB along with A-Rod, but now it's just A-Rod. <laughs> After the statements, I appreciate it. That's funny. That's funny. That's funny. Hey, and, Wait, so, and, and A-Rod supported Black Lives Matter with this statement. Yeah, he's been really – I appreciate it. Him and Carson Wentz have really and been supportive. Matt Ryan donated money to Black Lives Matter. Oh, yeah, I think he donated, what, like 500000 or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was 500000 Yes, sir. Um, wait, but random, random question. Are you still rooting for Tom Brady for the Buccaneers? Like, are you like 
I mean, of course you're more Patriots than Brady, but are you any Brady at all? I don't hate Brady at all. I mean, he get, got his seven championships. How, how can we possibly hate him? <laughs> I, I feel like you got to be – I feel like I'd be a real ungrateful person if you actually actually hate Brady. <laughs> Burning the jersey. He's, he's, he's just a <laughs> of his career. Let him have some fun. He's been under the strict um, coaching under Bill Belichick for how many yeah, years? Strict. You, strict. You, see how, you see how much more fun he's having? You see him on TV more doing golf with Peyton Manning? Like, he didn't do all this with the Patriots. <laughs> yeah, I'm happy for him. Honestly, this reminds me of when Boston Celtics traded all their old – legends to the Brooklyn Nets and the Brooklyn Nets just became in salary cap like exile after that where they couldn't um where they weren't even good enough to be a legit playoff team with old Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett um yeah but they but they were like set back for the years because they gave Celtics all their draft picks yeah man they they were decent without the draft picks they weren't great in the present, and they were terrible in the future. from us. He was already like twelve million against our cap, and he wasn't even playing. Like, hey, I don't mind it. Like, look, we're we're bad to the point where we could get a top quarterback in the draft. Hey, start if, if over. Jared, yeah, Jared Stidham turns out to be decent. I'm good. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, look, we want our hey. As a fan, I could, I could, I'm, I'm just basking my glory. And look, I'm basking my glory. We won seven championships. We won yeah. seven. Like, yeah. what, what yeah, do man. I got to say? Like, you can talk trash to me right now, but I'm like, look, we dominated the whole NFL. It was like, like, even as a fan, it gets, it got exhausting for me always seeing the Patriots win. I, I actually want to experience it from another fan's viewpoint. I never think they didn't have that privilege of having a great NFL team. (laughs) I'm seeing it from a Redskins viewpoint, you know, um, just watching it from like a different perspective where we're probably losing games now and probably get top picks. <laughs> I'm probably the antagonist, but I mean, <laughs> hey man, I'll take I'll take with the brother. The top five talent in this draft, top six, is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. I wouldn't mind going to go get one of those guys. Yeah. And I looked it up. It was Gary on Conley who I'm talking about. With yeah, Gary on Conley. Yeah, I knew it's it a similar. Good. Yeah, it started yeah. with a G. I just couldn't think of it. Yeah, he he, yeah. he got hurt too yeah, much. He kept getting hurt, but he was also really good, but was over overshadowed by Marshawn Lattimore. It may be a similar thing with uh, Demon Arnett um, with uh with um Jeffrey Akuda. Yeah, six championships. Yeah, sorry, six. I'm I'm sorry. We win so many championships. I'm sorry. I start to lose count sometimes. All right, so. that's where we end the stream right there. <laughs> that's where we end the stream right there. <laughs> but all right, man, I, I appreciate you coming, Shay. I appreciate everybody that's in the comment section helping keep the um the live stream going again. We live stream every Friday night, 8 to 10 p.m., and we're talking everything. Not just, you know, normally on my Sundays at 2 p.m. streams, it's mostly football and it's mostly Redskins. But this, we're talking about anything. You can ask us anything. You can ask us relationship questions like we were asked the last stream. Um, we talk, we dive, we dove deep into the uh, the um, Black Lives Matter movement, or like the first hour of the stream. We talk about everything, sports, anything. So make sure y'all definitely tune in every Friday, 8 to 10 p.m., like tonight, um, for, you know, just a, a, a more 
more diverse conversation than what I normally give y'all on Sundays. And um, yeah, that's really it, man. Um, go ahead and say whatever you got to say, my boy, Shayi. I appreciate you for having me, Rico. And that's why I see on the comments. You know what you see uh, on your web browser, HTTP. That means hail to the Patriots. That No, we're not allowing that. We're not. It's hail to the Redskins and that's it. Y'all going to have to say go Patriots. Y'all can say go Patriots, go. Y'all can say Patriots rule if you want to. You know what I'm saying? Y'all can do whatever y'all want, but it's no hell to the anything but Redskins. Nah, we out. All right, y'all. Take care. I'm not going to let him to keep saying this on this stream no more. Take care again. Come back Friday, 8 to 10 p.m. every week. We'll be here. Are we good?